This is Tom from Third Rail Design Lab. And Chris from Deeply Dapper. And it's time to... See, I didn't I didn't do it this time because <laughs> it's kind of like this is 2019. If you don't know my dick, dick, dick by now, then you don't know me at all. You don't know his dick, dick, dick. <laughs> oh, you went too far immediately. Release the... Kraken! Distinctly un-American sounding sight. Deeply dapper. Happy 2019. Have we we not recorded since 2019? (laughs) We've released recordings in 2019 that may have been recorded in the end of 2018. I thought we had recorded, but perhaps not. Listen, either we have or we haven't. It's a Boolean thing, but here's the most important thing. Uh, It's been a really long year. Yes, it has. I stole that from you, who stole it from someone else. I thought that was pretty funny. What? How How dare you, sir? <laughs> I don't steal from anybody. I, I improve. <laughs> You're not the fuck Jerry of the podcasting world? <laughs> I improve things, that's all. <laughs> so uh, this is a super sweet February recording session for 2019, which will be almost immediately released into the interwebs and into the ears of 333 listeners. So we're topical and spontaneous tonight. Yeah. So uh, you're besieged by storms and I'm besieged by storms. Yours are worse. Yeah, I have, I have thunder snow right now. Thunder snow. That's interesting. Is that, <laughs> yeah, like, is like, that like ice quakes? <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, like they've been predicting like a foot of snow for the next three days. And today... We didn't get the snow that they predicted, but we got like an inch of slush, then snow on top of it. I don't like that. And it's it's just absolutely awful outside. So yeah, I'm not not a big fan right now. We were supposed to be under a mega storm over the last three days, and they said it was going to be like I got gale force wind warnings on my phone, and then I got flood flash flood warnings and all this, and it was light for three days, light. And then my kids said uh, last last night they said gosh, the storm really wasn't that big a deal, whatever. And then they went to sleep. And then it started coming down in such volume that, like, all of the gutters overflowed. We had waterfalls, and it was deafening. It's coming down the fireplace. I was like, thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> my, my kids may guys, have weather manipulation. Um, California didn't get that, that cold snap that a lot of the rest of the country No, did. no. Um, the previous storm, which was between, well, it was kind of, I think it was, no, it was in January. Uh, my neighborhood got uh, we had a power outage and then a couple days later we had another power outage so I had a string of of time where it was like get get whatever is important done while you can get the candles out because it's yeah. so you know we, we have our power up uh, it's not buried underground like sensible places and so a branch falls on the power lines and then everything goes to shit and our utility yeah, company ours. in California has just gone bankrupt so. yeah ours <laughs> is all above ground too yeah it's terrible I don't know. I I think yeah. It's I don't know if that has something to do with just infrastructure and when they started doing that or what, but it's nonsense, is what it is. Well, it's definitely a a, a much more contemporary thing to put it underground, but there yeah. parts of Marin here have done it, and it's great because now it's much more insulated from things like this, you know, wind and wind <laughs> pushing things into power lines, right? But we're we're kind of screwed here in California because when 
when uh, PG&E announced bankruptcy after the most recent fires, two fire, two huge fires in two years, and this most recent one was directly connected to their transformers exploding. So right. they can't pay the they can't pay their liability, so they're going bankrupt. Mm. I don't even know what they're going to do. We're going to be burning, you know, burning cars in our front yard pretty soon. I've seen it on TV. <laughs> I know that's what happens. <laughs> Standing around oil drums. <laughs> yeah, really. Man, that's that's lovely. Hey, speaking of oil drums, though. Up and be like, yo, this is this is some money potentially here. <laughs> that's true. Maybe we should maybe snap that up and make all the monies. I, Why don't you start a power company, Tom? You could do it. I am a power company. There's nothing I can you, do about it. A, it's already happening. You're you're something. <clears throat> I don't know if you're a power company so much as a power bomb or something. But <laughs> so speaking of standing around oil drums, this is a perfectly good time for a half-ass sucking the monkey segment in which I tell you what deliciousness I'm drinking, and then you give me an excuse as to why you're not having something good. So oh, we already gone over this. Were no, we not so, recording during that? Of course not. That was testing. So uh, <laughs> I'm having. So you're testing. having. You're having uh, mineral spring water, right? Fresh. From I'm, I'm having delicious Idaho well tap water. So it's some of the best water in the world. And and why is this happening? <sighs> because I can't get to my studio. <laughs> Where all of my alcohol resides. The Okay, so the only beer I have in the house yeah. is this awful beer that I refuse to drink solo because it's a kombucha beer. Bud from, Light? Oh. No, it's it's like some... It's a rogue brewery thing, and they do these stupid gimmick beers yeah. occasionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my mom buys them just for the bottle uh-huh. and then gives them to us to drink. <laughs> and I refuse to drink that one until uh, until my brother's present to drink it because it's him that encourages her to do these awful things. I understand. But the, but, but the salient point here is that, um, you know, like the aforementioned power outages where I have candles all over the house for emergencies, you have all of your precious resources in the separate <laughs> detached unit that is separated by snow and a small layer of slush and snow, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. currently. All right, yeah, well, it's it's inaccessible. I tried to open it to get some out because I knew you'd give me shit. <laughs> and it's it, yeah, it would have required a sledgehammer and a shovel of some sort to get the ice out of the way. So no, that's, that's completely it. No, I... I, I I wouldn't need to do that. By the time you were done, you'd lose your power, your uh, internet anyway, so let's not do that. Or at least my motivation. Yes. <laughs> so I'm having on my end um, a Petrus Aged Pale Fooder beer. It's a fooder release. Do you know what those are? What is What, is, what the heck is a fooder? F-O-E-D-E-R. So what it is is a fancy barrel. Um, <laughs> I didn't know. I just knew it was a delicious sour, so I had to look it up because I'm not that smart. I'm a bear of average brain, but uh, what it is, it's a large wooden vat used to age wine, but recently many breweries are making them to age their sour beers, so that's what it is. So, it's a sour, and it's put, and it's done in a a cask, right? It's just in a cask, but what was surprising to me is it's from Trader Joe's. Um, I don't generally buy the the alcoholic products with the Trader Joe's label, just it just mm-hmm. never comes up, but my brother-in-law was in town over the holidays, and he cracked one of these open, and I thought, my gosh. And thus, uh, here we are. So, that's what I'm having, and it's delicious. It's sour. Okay. It's sour and delicious, right? I like sours. Yeah. So, huh, 
I see the bottle that you just uh, texted me, and I have a question. So she actually, it's a deliver. It's like a, it, it it's a it's a supply chain thing, right? So she gets the bottles to you. You drink the swill in the bottles, and then you like clean the bottle out, and then you give it back to her, and she puts it on the shelf. Yeah, I yeah, I, I believe she has like this weird shelf thing that extends out over her counter in her kitchen, and it's just the right size for these weird oversized bottles that Rogue does. Yeah. She's just like, I, she doesn't drink beer. She's never drank beer. Yeah. And I I don't, I'm, these are just like like a weird vinyl wrap on the outside. So they're not even anything super special, but my mom is weird like that. So, you know. <laughs> She's special with these beers. Yes. Um, so, okay. I understand. It's just weird because it's like lime green. It is. It's it's super strange. I think she bought this one because it has a sloth on it. But the oh. description sounds absolutely vile. <laughs> Um, and uh, you know, yeah. I'm not a kombucha drinker anyway, but it's a it's a blonde ale blended with kombucha tea. Holy moly! I mean, so there's I'll, nothing about I'll drink that. The kombucha here and there, but that's uh, yeah, it it sounds awful. <laughs> I'm compelled to ask why one would make an well. So I've done worse things. I take kombucha sometimes to put this vodka in it or gin or something and drink that. So there's really no. <laughs> I am not in a position to make any statements, but I will say it's lime green and you want to display that. That's its own thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not an ecto cooler or anything. No, that's true. It's not as good, but. <laughs> well, we thought we would uh, this time uh, because it's been a distance between times that we've seen it. Uh, it's been a distance. That's how it's going to be tonight. It's been a little while since you and I have seen uh, films or shows or whatever that were. Um, close enough in your you memory that you could speak temporary. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. So we thought we would kind of do a, something a little different again and uh, and focus on some current events, our our uh, Red Sky Roundup. But in this instance, we will do because it's been so many. There's been so much going on since we last talked that we would do a Red Sky Roundup roulette. We'll just hit some of these at random. Yeah, and then we we initially planned on doing the Super Bowl commercials, and then the Super Bowl commercials weren't really worth mentioning for the most well, part. I mean, I think we touch on them quickly just, just because, but yeah, then, yeah I, so I didn't, I didn't watch the Super Bowl, and I didn't see many of the commercials, but I saw the ones that I was told to see, and I yeah, was... I queued yeah. up a playlist this morning, and yes. Lindsay and I sat down on the TV and watched it on YouTube mm-hmm. of, like, most of the commercials, and... They were terrible this year. I've heard the game was awful. Yes, I heard that too. Were certainly of no note either. So I was struck I, by the lack of sensation to anything. Yeah, like isn't and this like when they the, usually give you the major, you know, kick, and there's nothing. Well, and usually there's there's a lot of trailers that are are uh, applicable to our interest range. Sure. And there were oh, so there, there were four trailers. I think is all. And the two Marvel ones were like 30 seconds long. Right. Uh, the Del Toro Scary Stories to, to Tell in the Dark was like a seven minute or a seven second trailer. Uh, like a teaser, yeah. Yeah. And so like the only one that like thrilled me in any way was the Twilight Zone one. Yeah. Uh, I'm super down with, but... What, one of the, one of the um, setbacks to not watching them live is that when you get them on the interwebs, they're titled what they are. And yeah. in, in two cases, that being one of them, 
it would have been better if I didn't know it was a Twilight Zone commercial. Now, you and I, being relatively involved in industry stuff, would know that uh, that uh, um, um, Key was Key? Keegan-Michael Key. Keegan-Michael Key. Or, no, was it no, Jordan Peele? Peel. Jordan Peele. Peele, yeah. Jordan uh, Peel. Has been preparing to do that new launch of Twilight Zone and was going to be the moderator for it or whatever. So, or the narrator. So, when I saw his face, finally, I knew what it was. But, I mean, if I were to watch it blind, right, I would know who it was. But in in this case, it blasted me with, you know, here's a Twilight Zone commercial. And then you're like, okay. So, it's sort of like lightweight fringe stuff. Like, it wasn't, it didn't have the impact for me that it should have had. Yeah, I get that. So, I'm whining about having too much information in advance. Similarly, the other one uh, that I would have benefited from going in blind was the Bud Light commercial. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. So, so I don't know how long they've been doing this thing, this cross-marketing. But I think it's fascinating mm-hmm. that... I, I think it's fascinating as a concept that they would do it. But in this commercial, uh, if you haven't seen it, it's the... it's Or someone might not have seen it. Someone in Peru that's listening to this. Uh, they start with this weird Bud Light. It's a Bud Light... Uh, um, stylized uh, joust, medieval joust, and there's yeah, a king and they, queen. They've been doing this thing called the Bud Knight since the last Bud Knight. Year. Yeah, right. And they, and there's been lead ups, right? Other other things leading up to this, uh, in, into this final trailer, right? Throughout the year, a couple other things, maybe, mm-hmm. or maybe there weren't. But anyway, he's a tri- yeah, he's a Bud Knight. He's a jouster. Something about how many beers he's carrying. He goes to joust some unseen foe. He gets smacked on his ass. He seems paralyzed or screwed, and then the other knight dismounts and steps forward, and it's the mountain from Game of Thrones, <laughs> who proceeds to off-camera tear his head off. Everybody starts screaming and running, and then there's the shadow, and then uh, one of the yeah, he crushes he crushes the armor like a beer can, right, right, yeah, and then there's a dragon burning it. people, right, and then yeah. people are screaming and running and whatever, and then it just fades out, and it's just the armor's crushed. A and it's just dragon, a dragon, Tom, come on, call him by his name, give him the respect he deserves. Uh, Dragonus Draconus, <laughs> what was his name? Dragon, <laughs> sure, close enough. <laughs> Drogon? What's I think his name? I think it was Drakaris. No, that's what she, yeah. No, that's what he says when he fires people, isn't it? You're fired. <laughs> See, Game <laughs> of Thrones have... hasn't been on in 17 years, so I've already forgotten the names of the dragons. Is it Drogon? Drogon? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. Anyway, it it burns everybody and it's just a re, kind of a retread of that episode of last season, but I was impressed because it starts as a Bud Light commercial and ends as a Game of Thrones commercial. Yeah, I had no idea it was a Game of Thrones commercial. Well, I saw it, it in, check out this great Bud Light Game of Thrones commercial. <laughs> so oh, well. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But, so you spoiled everything there. Yeah, but at the same time, it's... I mean, I liked it in concept again, because like, I thought, why would they... Who, who, who gains from this? And so as I thought about it today, I was thinking, well, wait a minute, what, did, what was that from... from from the Bud Light perspective, what are they saying exactly? <laughs> They're going to get smashed honestly, and none of it matters? It makes I mean, no <laughs> sense. But I have to say, like, of the non-movie trailer commercials, it's the only one that has been talked about that I've seen. Agreed, before. yeah. So at least, like, the, the name Bud Light is on people's lips because of it. Well, and the other thing that was tripping me out is it's like it's like we say, why are they even doing Avengers trailers in the first place? Game of Thrones doesn't need marketing. <laughs> like, no, it really doesn't. Unless, unless the insult to injury is that the Anheuser Busch or whoever 
I don't even know who produces what watered down beer here, but whoever makes, <laughs> oh, that's Budweiser. So yeah, it's Budweiser. yeah, that makes sense. So unless they, Bush, isn't it? yeah, I think so. So if in, unless maybe they paid for the whole thing and the Game of Thrones people are like, sure, <laughs> but I don't know why they yeah, would actually know. spend any marketing dollars on it, right? Yeah, it's odd. Yeah. Uh, as far as the movie trailers though go, uh, I think one one thing of note is that while they were relatively short, I think it was no accident the way they paired the Avengers trailer and the Captain Marvel trailer together in the broadcast, and they are so tonally different. Oh, did they? I, I had no idea that. But... Well, I think that there. I think that this was by design, right? The Endgame trailer was very somber. Mm-hmm. And morose and very moratory, you know, like it's just this inevitable, um, you know, one more one more chance kind of thing. There's no optimism in the trailer. It's very gloomy. And then, like it's, you know, it ends, right, it ends with him like with the shield and he's going to head out for one final stab at things, right? Right. And then, and then the Captain Marvel trailer that came later, I think, is the most energetic Captain Marvel trailer they've had. It's got the music and she's really fired up and it's all this girl power stuff. And, it didn't and that's, do much for me. Well, in and of itself, no, it didn't. I don't need to see any more of this. But, but as far as a, its tonal difference, right? If she's going to be yeah. involved, if she's going to be one of the characters that's been digitally removed from the Endgame footage, and she's going to be involved in that last act, are they saying that might be something that's happening? Oh, sure. Well, they've said that she's supposed, she's probably a big part of the of the Endgame film, but also. Yeah, right. in in the Endgame trailer, there's these gaps while they're walking and standing around, right? So they've digitally edited out people, I think. But interesting. But you know, if the idea is that she's their MacGuffin, right? She's going to come out of nowhere and and save the day. Um, it's interesting mm-hmm. that they would be doing that in the trailers too, like be firing up for this one, even as this one is somber. So I don't know. I thought that was cool. That was interesting that they would do that. Girl power, right? Yeah, it, but it doesn't. It didn't have any. It didn't have any like <laughs> momentum to it, though. And there was nothing more to it to make you want to see it more or less. It, these are all aimed at mainstream people, though. They're not aimed at us, right? Yeah, I guess that's true. And it's that that thirty second thing. I I don't think that like if you're gonna give me a trailer, give me something more than just flash, 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 coming April kind of thing. I agree. Like I like a little more to it than that. But I don't want all spoilers either, so... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's a huge problem. So far, I'm perfectly happy with the Endgame uh, trailers that we don't even need in the first place. But I'm, I'm glad they're not showing anything at all. They're anti-showing things. Right. Right? right? I like that. I, if we could get all the way to the movie without them giving us any spoilery stuff, I would be delighted. Yeah. Yeah, me too. My favorite thing in that uh, <clears throat> Endgame trailer was that the uh, Statue of Liberty on Ellis Island is now a harbor, and there's all these, you know, sort of ramshackle boats all tied up to it, like it's these little clusters of humanity left. And I didn't even notice that. Yeah, and and then, uh, as I recall, the lights were mostly dark in New York, so it made me wonder if there's, you know, if we've got this sort of apocalyptic thing where... Yeah, which we talked about before, if half of... However they decided this was only affecting humans, but, you know, if half of them are dead... If half of the algae is dead, we're really screwed, <laughs> or the bacteria. But if, but you know, if half half of humanity died, and you know, and the planes dropped from the sky, and all the infrastructure collapsed, it would be devastating, right? Dark Ages stuff. Yeah, I assume it's. I I assume it's 
just humanity because that was all that Mr. Thanos talked about. Right. It wasn't like the cows are destroying the universe. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, well, it's still a, yeah, it's a Pandora's box. It doesn't make any sense. All right. Well, okay. So how about I, we start our magical round. a Pandora's round, MacGuffin. A Pandora's MacGuffin with a red herring on top. Let's do our <laughs> red sky roundup uh, roulette. I dropped my dice. Where the hell is my dice? Is serving the greater Pittsburgh area. Equitable Gas Company, Columbia Gas of Pennsylvania, and the People's Natural Gas Company. Good evening, everyone, and the highlights of the news this Thursday. Traffic accidents, one a fatal hit the district. A Beaver County man is being held for murder, and more labor troubles hit the Pittsburgh area. I'll check these and other top local stories right after this message from the natural gas companies. How am I supposed to do a randomized evening without my dice? I don't know. I'll tell you what. I don't know, man. Here's what I will do. Here it is. Let's try this one. I'm going to start. Ready? How many sides does your die have? One, one side. One your, side. Your die has one side? It's yeah. a Mobius die? I, it's like it's like a, a Ileana Rasputin portal. It just, it just appears. Uh, all right. Uh, we've got some uh, Star Wars news. Let's talk Star Wars news. Yeah. We've never had it. Okay, let's talk Star Wars news. We, we, there's never <sighs> enough Star Wars news. There's right? there's always too much Star Wars news. And also, uh, often there's not enough. One of the things... So, when we did our last uh, roundup, it was very late December when we recorded. So, it, so basically, it's been one month. And I used to publish the news on a regular basis on the website and I haven't been doing that lately. And it's been interesting. I've been kind of, I haven't even been writing down all the news, just things that were sort of of note. And it, it adds up fast, man. <laughs> like In these lists, stuff got, got old enough that I booted it out. So, but one of the things they said, or is, uh, supposedly been possibly confirmed is that, uh, star Wars nine takes place a year after star Wars eight. Do you think this is a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. Um, the real thing with that is that, like, it ended on such a cliffhanger. Like, they're just like, I don't know, man. What do you... Well, okay, I have a thought. I think it's a good thing. And the reason is that they stretched out eight with the fleet being thinned out and thinned out and thinned out and all the ships being destroyed and getting whittling it down to, you know, 17 people, a radio transmission, a force ghost, and some crystal foxes, right? So mm -hmm. in order to have any more of a sweeping final act, there has to be more there there in the Star Wars tradition of forces fighting each other and a resistance existing and all that, right? And so if they were to continue uh, just shortly after that there's no logical infrastructure other than one of those you know shoom all of a sudden there's this whole backup fleet that no one knew about kind of thing just suddenly appearing which would feel really forced right. but if they show it a year later they can reference bits and pieces of how they rebuilt and how they how they moved on and and sort of <clears throat> you know caught caught back up and prepared for their little final strike or whatever but if but if they don't do that there's no time to tell that you could start 
a year later with new events happening and then make references back to how they got out of it, maybe. Maybe. Is this the last, like, is this considered yes. a last one? Yes. Hmm. Interesting. So that's my point. If they want to have one last hurrah of, you know, visiting three planets and having having two battles and then whatever, mm-hmm. they, they need they need some there there to do that. Yeah, that's fair. On the other hand, it can be argued that the problem with all of the Skywalker focused main films has been that no matter what's happening in an entirety of a galaxy, it comes down to five people and their recurring familial issues and destiny and whatnot. And that all of the important things that are happening are happening to this select few, which is very precious. One of the which is yeah, but that's kind of just how storytelling works too. So Sometimes. if you complain about that, it's I mean it, you don't tell stories about the guy that goes to the grocery store and buys ramen. You go to you, you tell the story about the guy that goes to the grocery store and buys ramen and gets caught up in an international conspiracy to destroy the <laughs> king or whatever. New book idea. <laughs> Well, and I guess that leads me to the next thing, which was there's been a lot of activity on the development of the Mandalorian series as well as um, a couple of the other Disney Plus series. The reason I like yeah, Rogue... it's kind of sad to me that I'm more interested in the Mandalorian thing than I am the next movie. Well, but at the same time, that's my point. Mandalorian, and I mean, I loved Rogue One the most because it had the least amount of connections to the main players of the movies. It had references. Yeah. Just like just like Han Solo, even Han Solo played with its own toys until it wasn't right. But but Rogue One it was, specifically it was, just was called Solo, Tom. Yeah, right. But <laughs> Mandalorian. So I used to complain. I mean, I love Star Wars, but I used to complain that what I wanted to see were stories set outside of the main stuff because there's Agreed. so many toys. There's a there are fleet. There are aspects of the of the of the empire and there's aspects of the first order. There's aspects of the rebellion and the resistance people outside of that, like the smugglers and the bounty hunters and all that stuff that can be very interesting and powerful storytelling. That doesn't have to be about someone with Skywalker blood eating its own tail. Right. And I would complain that that's the kind of storytelling I want to see in this huge sandbox and that we just never would get it. And then the two things that have happened is the Mandalorian series is very obviously going to be, a lot of deep, deep diving into a bunch of other stuff, and I hope so. Yeah, yeah. And, and I and I've been watching both. Um, I finished the Clone Wars and started uh, Rebels, and the oh. animated series has been chock a block with a bunch of storytelling that isn't directly related to the main stuff, especially the Rebel stuff. So there is more of that out there than I thought, but it's also why the extended universe was was very popular for for so many readers. If you got past the retreads of those main characters in 18 different books, they had a lot of stories yeah. about other people. And that was good, too. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Nick Nolte's going to be in The Mandalorian, apparently, as an Ugnaught. <laughs> that's so weird. There's something we didn't need. Is, I almost wonder that if that's legit? bullshit. Like, it does yeah, seem kind of legit. But it totally also seems not legit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just I don't comprehend how that's a real thing. <laughs> it's like if you thought about like they looked at Nick Nolte and said, "Well, what would he? Well, it looks pretty ugly, I guess." Yeah, yeah. Look at that! Look at that mug shot of him. He's ugly. <laughs> if you've ever, yeah, it's just weird. Uh, also, um, he uh, so um, Favreau has been teasing different things on his Instagram, like he posted an IG-88 photo, which got everybody exercised, and then 
more recently in R5-D4. Hmm. So IG-88 interested me just because I have that typical of my age group, um, unearned awe for the bounty hunters. <laughs> and yeah, in fact, there's yeah. a lot of bounty hunter stuff in Clone Wars, but but until I had seen that, I really had no justification for being interested in those guys other than I had the action figures, right? And they stood in a row, <laughs> you know? <laughs> the question was, was, who was your favorite? You were a Dengar man, weren't you? No way. Everybody I'll... loves Dengar. He's so I... sexy. He was my least favorite. <laughs> although... Everybody's least favorite. I know, although he's, he shows up in Clone <laughs> the, Wars. The, the drunk uncle of yeah, the uh, bounty hunters. With the, with the weird wet bandages on his head and all that. Yeah, the he's just is, like, I'm your, who's your mummy? What are you wearing, Dengar? The undies, the whites. <laughs> but the thing is... Uh, it's laundry day. <laughs> in Clone Wars, he shows up in one or two episodes in this one in this one arc. And it's prior to that because he's got like, he's not, you see parts of his armor that are familiar. And, uh, and okay. he's got, you know, kind of a snide attitude. But he doesn't have any bandages, and he's not mal- malformed, and he's certainly not overweight. So, I don't know. I think my favorite is Boss. Huh? Boss has always been my favorite. Yeah. Same. There, there's no accident. He was the first being I drew. Overweight. Well, I thought he was just kind of lumpy, but maybe it's just my action figures. He's, I think he's just got like bulky armor, more than anything. It's not good for bounty hunting. But then again, neither. I mean, is... he looks like Johnny Cash, so. <laughs> yeah. I guess. But, but my favorite bounty hunter is the one who couldn't hold his rifle in that scene, right? Boss, yeah, that's boss. fair. Yeah, there's no possible way he could have shot anything with those hands. As Once has he's got, like a squeeze trigger. <laughs> well, as has been said to me at the con table, I put a lot of work into trying to rationalize how Boss could hold his rifle. <laughs> and it's not easy. But it's a uh, clip, yeah. right? Yeah, it's just a plastic clip that hooks onto his forearm. That's right. Well, it locks into his Apple Watch. So here's yes, here's the the one that I knew li- the least about because I didn't read all these extended universe novels, or whatever. But R five D four had been given two or three versions of complicated backstories. Did you know that? I'm not even sure who R five D four is. He is he the red one that blew yeah. up with the yeah. bad motivator? Yes, sir. Oh, I did. I always did like uh, Zuckus too. Actually. Sure. Yeah, Zuckus. Sorry, not to get sidetracked. But no, no, I'm down with it. This is all about sidetrack, man. Zuckus was rad. He's the yeah, one that has a fair. protocol droid body and an and a giant insect head, right? No, that's Forlom. Oh, that's Forlom. Zuckus oh, is. Oh, uh, they oh, did swap yeah. those names on the the toy packages, though, so it's understandable that you would have that incorrect. Thank you, sir. But <laughs> I'm of the era that still thinks of one guy as Walrus Man, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Although I did like Forlom's sweet ass eyes, those like weird marbled gold and oh, yes. black shiny things, those were cool. Um, when I was drawing uh, Walrus Man on my Boba Fett print, I was looking him up to try to figure out his colors, and I was getting all pissed uh, off that he had like four different names, and I was like, "No, it's Walrus Man! What the hell, man? <laughs> Damn kids! I blame this on the prequel kids." Uh, and uh, so R five D four. So yeah. He, to us, or to me anyway, he's just the droid that shorted out, and then they and then they bought R two D two. Does he need a story, really? Okay, I mean, so. <laughs> he's he's just a shitty robot in the first episode that breaks. <laughs> <laughs> it's a robot that doesn't have a laser sword. Here's the thing: yeah, in the in the new in the first three films, and granted, this is one of those continuity bleeding or production bleeding into continuity, but. 
There's no grand design for those robots, right? All it was was right. he had a message. That's it. And then the right. prequels made it so that they were involved in every other scene. And then the and then some other canon stuff shows that they were involved in even many more scenes. And R2-D2 is involved in all right. kinds of shit. And he's got this whole wily personality and, you know, it's like a spy and all this shit that has been uh, bled out of it just being kind of quirky and the little banter yeah. that they would have. Well, in these... So, you already have confused it with the prequels because if he was such... If it was so vital that he had this important um, message, all the stuff about them crashing to the planet in the first place and... in him having the message to... It, none of it made sense. None of it makes sense. No. If the, the prequels ruin no. everything. It was it was a desperate act in New Hope of her making that message. He manages yeah, to get knew, down there and... Demand. New Kenobi was somewhere nearby because he was sympathetic to the rebellion. Right. And that's why she sent it to him. That's right. <laughs> and she they shot, shot them with the escape pod. They crashed on the planet. And he was, by a great twist of destiny, right... He manages to find a means of delivering the message. That was it. It was perfectly fine as it was. And then the prequels make him such make them part of everything is connected to everything, just like all these stories, it makes it too much. But in this extended universe stuff or in these other stories, they went a step further. And what I understand is at one point it was written that R five D four was a force sensitive droid that detected its role in the grand scheme of things and decided Realized oh that God. it had to suicide itself so that R two D two could fulfill his mission. <laughs> if that's not the epitome that. of why the extended universe is a <laughs> pile of shit, then I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> what even? And then I guess they retconned that, and more recently said that uh, maybe R two D two convinced him to blow his motivator because. Told him how important it was that he gets this message across or something. It's so dumb. I hate that kind of thing. Sometimes a crappy robot's just a crappy robot, guys. Come on. I'm a bigger <laughs> fan of the accidental discovery of important information than I am the it was destined to happen because all the events were in yeah. play. So anyway, I don't know. And as to and as to what it matters that either of these characters are shown in this Mandalorian sneak stuff, I, again... We don't even know if it's really going to be in it. If he's just Does it take trolling. place on Tatooine? Well, that's a good question. We know it takes place after the fall, after the events of Return of the Jedi. And right. there are some rumors about its plot, but there's nothing definitive. And yes, we've seen some stuff that sure does look Tatooine-y, which made me wonder if, you know, <clears throat> since there were... A, it's not. Well... They have this thing about returning to the same three planets every other story. They That's true. But, you know, when I thought about it, Return of the Jedi occurred... You know, there was Tatooine stuff happening in Return of the Jedi. And then the Empire falls apart. I guess in their, in their timeline it doesn't fall apart right away. But at least the Emperor is killed and all that stuff. But if there yeah. is something bounty-ish to this, or he has a mission, or he's trying to find something or deliver something... It may lead him across certain familiar paths, I guess is fine. The, the risk, I think, is if there's anything to be taken from a lot of people's feedback about Solo is we don't need to keep revisiting the same concepts over and over and over again. Give us new stuff. I guess that's a... Right. It doesn't need to be... Yeah. Force Awakens thing, too. Yeah. Like, whatever. We could just never go back to a sand planet, right? It would be fine. 
Yeah. Why not a blue sand planet with red milk? Right. <laughs> we don't need we don't need more colors of milk, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're fine with the the the, the three that we already have. All right. Pick, pick a number between one and forty-seven. <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen. That's how no, no. many links. I'll, I could actually do. He's not it. exaggerating. Yeah. I could. St- I can uh, get 20. this distilled to thirty-three. One, pick a number between one and thirty-three. That's even better. Twenty-six. Okay. Jumanji two. Did you know there was a Jumanji two being plotted? I knew that they were making a Jumanji two. Yeah. It made too much money for them to not make a Jumanji 2. And I'm all for it, because that Jumanji was a great movie. It was way more fun than it had any right to be. And I've seen it 35 times because my kids got into it. We just got it on Blu-ray, and I haven't rewatched it yet, but I want to. Uh, I got it at the pawn shop for $5. (laughs) Did you leave it in the studio (laughs) behind all that slush? Yeah. Yeah, I can I can get to my Blu-rays. They're in the basement. <laughs> so your booze isn't in the basement. <laughs> the Blu-rays are in the basement. Yeah, yeah. All right, so Jumanji I, 2. I love watching things without being drunk, unlike you, Tom. That's true. Uh, like the time that I watched, uh, uh, um, was it Spectre? It was one of the it was one of the the Daniel Craig Bonds and I was drinking absinthe and I was like this is smooth and delicious and I'm having a great time and after I turned off the movie I was like that was wonderful and then I spun out and <laughs> that was the last I remember <laughs> but I maintained some perceived sense of lucidity the whole time all right so Jumanji Bob, two. yes what did you think of that Elba one uh, in the, the the Fast and the Furious movie oh did the trailer with you talking about the trailer. Yeah, did you watch the trailer for that? So I had not the spinoff of the Fast and the Furious movie. Idris I have Elba not, but I read about it. it. I'm okay with that. I like Idris Elba. I saw the photo where they're all standing in a triangle and they look rad. And then I saw a gif of his scenes in that trailer, and apparently he's like super powered and a bad guy. Yeah, yeah, he's he plays the bad guy in it, and I'm kind of okay with that. It'll be interesting to see him play the bad guy because he's got such a I feel like he has a nice face. He does, like, but I like can see him being mean. A nice guy. Yeah. Have you, have you yeah, seen Luther? No, but I I've heard I would love it, but I haven't seen it. I have heard that as well, but I've seen little clips and some references and interviews that led me to believe that he can be a little bit. Um, maybe he can have some edge in that as well. So maybe that's something we just right haven't on. seen. But didn't he get like zapped with with power and have cyber bits or something in the trailer? Uh, they, they give him some sort of, he's like bulletproof and he's like some super soldier or something like that. Uh, The the, the Furious movies take place in a very comic book world. And so I'm okay with that. And that's why I didn't watch the trailer yet because I'm still, uh, contemplating watching more of that. Cause I saw the first one. Is that right? This is the one I saw fast and furious. That the one with, uh, what's his name that died wrapping the car on the pole. Right? Yeah, but he's in like four of the twelve. Right. So. so I saw the first one and I was like, "What the shit?" Because I saw it way too late. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> you know, we're not exactly seeing the, the first one. Market and... for it either. What? We're not exactly the target market for it either. That's correct. But you know, seeing the first Fast and Furious in like 2016 or something, I, I, <laughs> I you know, I need to yeah, skip. I need to skip straight to the the ludicrous ones and just. 
the other way. Anyway, yeah, so, I think that's honestly a good call. Like, skip the first three or four or something like that. Just watch the last couple that are just uh, the over-the-top Bond sequences. <laughs> like, there's one... Isn't there one where the rock, like, punches a rocket? Probably. It seems like something... <laughs> I remember that. That may have just been filmed on his lunch break <laughs> at the craft services table, but... <laughs> He's, you know, we. Were, I was just talking uh, to uh, Blair the other day about how there are, is it Blair? That there are some uh, celebrities that I've just gotten entirely tired of their Instagram because it's ruining it for me. And he's one of mm-hmm. them. He's a really, really? charm. He's a really charming guy, and I like a lot of what he does. But mm-hmm. I've, his uh, his grandstanding on Instagram is really starting to annoy me. I haven't. His, follow, I don't follow him on oh Instagram. Oh my god, so. he'll be like. I'm, I'm, you know, it's a lifting weights photo, and he's like, here's what I'm doing, and it's like this five-paragraph essay, and then shout-outs to this person and that person, and all, uh, hark stories from his past, whatever, and then he take, posts a photo of his food, and he's like, cheat, you know, cheat night, and it's five five giant platters of sushi and 18 cookies, and he's like, mm, and then I'm gonna, you know, drink this signature whiskey from so-and-so, and it's like, okay. Nothing like of what you've described sounds unappealing to me at all. No, but 30 of them, you know, like, it's just... So I just I realized like, that I needed less of it. He's motivated and he's energetic and he's eating delicious food. I hate it. <laughs> I just need less. I need less of it to make it more fun. Well, and then the other one is Chris uh, Chris Pratt. I just can't anymore. I haven't followed him either. I like them, and I find that there are certain people that I prefer to not know necessarily what they're like in real life and just assume that they're cool. And I think Chris Pratt's a little overly religious for my taste. That's my thing. Yeah, he's uh, he's getting really um, post-divorce. He's gone really. I'm going to hunt things, and I'm going to uh, be really religiously weird. And then also just, yeah, I don't know. There's just some tone to it that's yeah. not not appealing to me. It's not fitting the brand for my in my mind. It's like when Tom Cruise jumped on the couch, and everyone's like, "What?" <laughs> it's like that, but without that much crazy. But I still See, love I Tom agree. Cruise. Chris Evans is one of those guys that I feel like he sticks to brand for me in my head. That's true. But a lot of guys I don't really pay that much attention to beyond it just because, yeah, I don't... I would prefer to just assume that they're their character, basically. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of people who are their characters, Jumanji 2. So, yes, <clears throat> three new cast members that I am delighted by. And I don't know how this all okay. fits together. If, who's coming back and who's added and what and how they're going to do this, but... All it matters is Danny DeVito. Yes. And Aquafina. Aqua the the drink, the the filtered water beverage? Correct. The the Asian rapper who has the name Aquafina, like combining the words aqua or uh, awkward and aquafina together. Aqu- I have no aqu- idea who that is. <laughs> uh her main her main thing is uh, she's in that um, the uh, uh, super rad Asian wedding, whatever that movie is that everyone got really excited about. <laughs> she's in that, and then she's also in oh, she, and then I saw her on Saturday Night Live. But anyway, she's like a you know kind of a quirky, um, edgy uh, Asian rapper actress type. But she seems like a, she'd be a good fit. And then finally, Danny Glover, because of course, say that like like a general thing that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. Isn't that what Gwen Stefani sold us? Anyway. Nerdy, awkward, Asian rapper, actress, funny type. Yeah, oh yeah. I know exactly what you're referring to there, Tom. Well, and then also Danny Glover. 
So that makes perfect sense as well. <laughs> I just finished watching the twelfth season of uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia with my wife. Oh, we watched wow. it every morning for like two years. I'm behind. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy it. I love I love Danny DeVito in it in particular. He's oh, yeah. excellent. Yes, I'm down with this. I'm I'm behind on that season just because my wife won't watch it with me, and so, you know, it just takes it's, me... It is certainly a TV show that is... You have to be okay with watching awful people doing awful things. It's of my favorite. <laughs> Anything. It's, it's ex- I love it. I think it's so cleverly written and outrageous, and yeah. What it's, I find... Yeah. What, it's what, one of our favorites. What I find strange is... The collective consciousness has decided that Seinfeld was uh, unsavory people being unsavory to the bitter end, but there's some certain whimsy to Always Sunny that makes it okay, that in a way that history has not been favorable to Seinfeld about. Well, you see, Seinfeld sucked. There's so that. I guess there's that, if that was your opinion, man. I think, I think the real difference there is that Seinfeld, they thought they were good people. And ah. what they were doing, funny. They, they felt superior. And yeah. I think that the Always Sunny crew knows that they're awful people, <laughs> right? And they relish in it. But yeah, there's also they embrace that. And there's childlike naivety too, depending on <clears throat> who the character is. But the I think yeah. that the absurd I think the absurdism in the show is what makes it so much fun. Yeah, yeah, like, I agree. It, it can go like it can go practically apocalyptic in one episode, and then the next the next everything's totally fine. And then other times, yeah. other times characters will come, keep recurring, and they're getting worse. They're getting more and more ravaged, right? Like, what's his name? Who's been on the street forever? Rickety Crick. Rickety Crick. You know, so I love the. Co- I mean, talk about a web of continuity. It's because I was a little late to that show. The more I would watch it, and I would go and read, you know, things online about the episodes I was watching, and then read all the references mm-hmm. to things, and I'd be like, what? <laughs> like. I felt like I just wanted to keep rewatching the same episode over and over again. In yeah, like a loop of yeah, totally. radness. Uh, fight milk. So okay, so there's that. But I mean, just imagine Bro. Danny DeVito, Danny Glover, and a short, feisty, funny, aggressive Asian comic rapper, and you could say that that would be an interesting <laughs> combination of things in a in a Jumanji movie. Oh, I'm not denying that. I, I are you saying that the uh, the original people from that Jumanji are not going to be back? I'm not Is saying that. that. They have not said there? that. They've just said these people have been oh. cast, so they could all be NPCs, as it were. Yeah, interesting. But, yeah, I was curious, like who they had coming back and who they didn't and whatnot. But, but also, maybe apparently, not. you're not much of a source of news, as I assume. So, okay, <laughs> just because you didn't know who this person was. All right, so. You didn't follow the links, for fuck's sake. All right, so uh, I, here's another one. There were a lot of them, and I was pretending to accomplish things. I understand. Like napping. I see. So here's another one. Uh, controversial thing. Uh, Ghostbusters rebooting yet again, or sort of you unbooting. Hmm? Yeah, I'm, I'm still very confidently in the camp that the Ghostbusters movie from 2016 is a solid movie and that it just takes place in the real Ghostbusters cartoon universe. So I'm okay with this. Gosh, that's really (laughs) interesting. Now, didn't you tell me you hadn't seen that one? 
No, I've seen that one. What were you I saying earlier? I just haven't seen it since then. Ah, uh, okay. All. okay. Uh, yeah, I haven't. Why? And I've not seen the extended version that I think you said you saw. Did I see an extended version? I think that's what you said. I don't think I meant to I say know. that. What, what is the extended version? Mm, I I don't know. <laughs> I just know that there is, like, the, the disc I have is not the version I saw in the theater. It's something different. Oh, that's interesting. But I'm going to exactly Oh, how so. the disco. <laughs> wasn't the disco scene... Wasn't Hold the disco just scene just what happened in the... Didn't they just show it in the credits, though? At the end? Did I lose you? Okay. I think, I think Chris has gone to meditate. He's going. He's I'm communing. Going. He's speaking to the orb. I, Who is Aquafina? You're off in your own little world. No, everything, the, uh, everything you say this, is like three seconds delayed for me. That's why I can't even... Yeah, my, my internet's awful right now. We've got a hell of a storm outside. The disc that I have of the new movie is the extended edition. Huh. And I don't know what how extended it is. It doesn't seem to have the difference in hours on this, which is strange. Hmm. Well, the yeah, one I anyway, saw... I liked did, it. did I see it in the theater with you? I guess I didn't. Why did I think no. that we saw it after one of the conventions? I don't know. We watched Jumanji after a convention. That's what I'm remembering. That was an excellent movie, didn't you think? Yeah, yeah, it was excellent. Oh, this has 20 minutes of extra footage on it. Huh. Well, the one I That's saw in the theater and the one I saw at home twice, once unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it at home once, unsuccessful, saw it again with the kids, enjoyed it <laughs> much more. Kids did not. They were freaked out. Lost what? Their minds. They did not? Your kids okay. are so strange. Okay, man. So what we did was we did a triptych of Ghostbusters uh, movies uh, around New Year's, maybe. And we did Ghostbusters 1, which was the second time they saw it, but the first time they paid attention. Because the first time was during Halloween when everyone was here and no one was really watching it. So we saw Ghostbusters okay. 1. Kids were understandably we- concerned about uh, the... Demon How dogs. sexy she is? No, no, the demon dogs. And then my oh, and then okay. my my daughter started getting um, asking questions about um, why she became so sexy all of a sudden and what that meant. And we're like, okay. What <laughs> <laughs> well, she about. did was start wearing, showing off a lot of leg. Is all. Yeah. <laughs> well, my daughter is uh, She's she is uh, she's just entering puberty, and she was getting the message. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, um, but he was scared. They were a little scared about the demon dogs, but not as much as I thought. Um, I think my sheer shrieking delight at everything Rick Moranis in that film was helping to offset oh, some of the panic. Don't do it. What? So amazing. All right. He's so amazing. <laughs> I loved it so much that um, we talked about this in the last recording. I think I was talking about this with. Blake and I was so enthralled we didn't even get a chance to dive into a reviewing a re-reviewing or discussing these things but I was so enthralled that I ended up inserting some super cut um, audio uh, uh, bits and pieces from Rick Moranis <laughs> doing his thing alright so uh, it, anyway I wrote a Which couple now, but thank you yeah. <laughs> so 
appreciate your efforts, Tom. Don't sass me. I have a couple of things I wrote I, down I, about. I, I was being very genuine. What did you say? All I, I was heard being very genuine. I, I said we appreciate your efforts oh, okay. to your your podcast humor fidelity. You're just like a 30-second delayed scramble voice to me at this point. I think I hear your storm <laughs> so, more than I hear you. I hear the slush. It's not my fault. All right. So here's what I wrote down. Here, here, here's what I wrote down. There's a thing that we do here on the show where if you wrote down something dubious while you were watching it, we call it a scalpy scribble. Here are a couple scalpy scribbles I wrote about the new Ghostbusters. You tell me if you like them. One is there was a rep, an early reference to an anti-Irish fence. I thought that was wildly inappropriate and amusing. <laughs> okay. Also, someone someone <laughs> says at some point, and I think it was um, Kate McKinnon, you just try saying no to, the, to these salty parabolas. I don't remember exactly <laughs> the context, but I thought it was... <laughs> Pretzels, if, or no, she's eating oh, Pringles. If that's, that's what it is. Salty parabolas. Okay, it's making more sense yes. now. <laughs> it's a really great line, though. And then another one was uh, when uh, when Thor says, "You know, an aquarium is a submarine for fish." Just <laughs> randomly said that. <laughs> I was like, "Oh God, the best." That's such a great. And then the last thing that I loved because it echoed exactly what I was thinking about after watching. Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 prior to this was they referenced a distinctly un-American siren. <laughs> oh, man, I you love it. The, the weird yeah. noise. Yeah. The one make. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so controversy. New Ghostbusters. And so uh, the only one who's piped up about it has been Leslie Jones, but I love her for doing it. She said it was pretty offensive that that the studio and the original, I don't know, aspects of the original production had so little um, endurance in holding up the validity of the new film that they backpedaled and immediately went back to the Ghostbusters 3 aborted concept as opposed to um, giving, them another, giving them another chance in the McCaverse to continue their story. You know... The thing there, like, I, I support and appreciate the fact that Leslie Jones sticks up and speaks out. Yes, sir. But that movie didn't even make its money back. Well, yes. I but... loved it. enjoyed it. But all it was was controversy and not money. But it can be argued that it suffered from stuff well outside of its own merit, right? It, it suffered from the mm-hmm. the pre-backlash of the sexist component that was so vocal right it it's Absolutely. one of the classic ones of the modern era where people it's like the john carter effect but in the more modern setting people shit all over it before it came out and prejudged it and it had no chance now right. that it, now I'm not that denying it, that but it but it but but it is slowly gaining more of a cult status as people watched it more at home so there's it a possibility is. that yeah. they could have they could have you know made something of another one but you know i don't know i'm not sure i i'm not sure i care i like their versions but at the same time if if it's if it's interesting a movie i'll i'll take the the unbooted one too i just wonder right yeah i think the problem for me is like you said you said at the beginning of this that you see it taking place in the uh in the animated universe and i think that was um, very astute. I didn't realize those connections because I never saw that cartoon until I was reading on mm-hmm. like the Indiba and particularly about Kate McKinnon and also about the secretary's 
look and some of the other stuff and how it was oh, all pulled yeah. from the cartoon. I didn't know about any of that. Yeah, and like like there's those scenes in the new one where like she's using the gun and it's throwing her all over the place in the alley right. and that kind of thing where it's cartoon physics. Yeah. And the other movie really doesn't have that True. to it. And so that's why I've always kind of looked at it that way. And I enjoy it in its own way because of that. And I just, I feel like people took that movie way too seriously when it came out. I think so too. You know what my daughter's favorite moment in that movie was? It's when Kate McKinnon What's pulled that? out the revolvers, the mini mini revolver uh, um, pro- oh, yeah. proton guns or whatever and started doing all those sweeps. She was doing all those sweeps and taking out people and had this little badass moment. And I feel like that was supposed to be a crowd-pleasing, roaring moment that everyone would love. And in and at home, mm-hmm. I can't tell if that's what happened, but I have a feeling like it probably didn't land the way they hoped it would. But my kids loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's it's funny watching the two different movies, too, because, like, I haven't watched the, the new one in a while now, but I rewatched Ghostbusters just last night. Yeah. Um, for a project I'm working on, and uh, it was it was interesting watching it because the most recent one I've seen was the new one, right? And it's strange how different those movies are. Well, but other. the first Ghostbusters is so different than the legacy of Ghostbusters after it. Like it was Which a very, very unusual true. vehicle mm-hmm. in terms of how it was put together and the people that were involved in. And the degrees to which they chose to participate, like famously with Bill Murray's sort of, you know, not following the same <laughs> rules as everybody else <laughs> and some of that other stuff. But when you watch it... That's kind of how Bill Murray works, isn't it? It is. It is. But when you watch it and you try to imagine it in the context of it when it, when it first came out, and for me, I, was, I saw it uh, either in the theater or on home video soon, around that time, right? But knowing mm-hmm. more about them as I do now... And thinking about that as one of these early post Saturday Night Live projects, it's a really mm-hmm. fascinating concept. It's a pretty high concept film, but it was taken very seriously yeah. in its execution, right? Yeah, like you can see true. that being you could see that being pitched on paper to them, like, "All right, guys, here's the deal: you three comedians, or you know, you you comedians and various other people, you're going to be crazy ghost hunters, and it'll be wacky." And you could see that as a pitch that would would you know that would would appeal to them but then at the same time mm-hmm. it was treated in a with that certain sort of 80s austere i don't know what it is 80s is so over the top but in that movie and is it just our bias from having seen it so much i don't know but it seems so like how do they do oh. that yeah like it was it was interesting to rewatch it and see like some of the little details to it because like like i don't remember the state puff marshmallow man actually being as reasonably short as he is like in my head, he was towering over them when they're shooting him. That's right. Up on the the top there, and instead he's he's a solid two, three hundred feet below, and they're shooting down at him, and then he starts climbing the building after he's lit on fire, and that's not what I pictured in my head, and I feel like that's another difference between it and the new one, where the creatures really are like gigantic kind of thing. Well, I definitely felt like in the new one there wasn't enough amusement in the in the there wasn't enough quirkiness or weirdness weirdness or anything about the creatures. It was just mm-hmm. like if you if you imagine that they're going to have all these designers in a room spitballing stuff for three weeks and then they decide what sticks or whatever. That's what they came up with, right? 
Like yeah, I almost yeah, feel like I could see great. the I could see the uh, the root of the idea, and then it felt like it got um, neutered by too many cooks. Like for example, the the one that's standing on Mosey Jones' shoulders at the rock concert in concept. Yeah, and, and, and my kids, yeah. I liked it. My kids liked it. The second time around, I liked it in terms of her reaction to it. Like. No, I'm going home, <laughs> and everyone's like, "Uh, you know," and it's sta- and it's standing on her shoulders for no reason. When I look right. at that, I can imagine that it was pitched as heavy, like a crazy '70s style, uh, you know, Satanist heavy metal concert. But the cheesy heavy metal demon is real and comes out into the audience, and that's what they're dealing with, like Iron Maiden style stuff or Dio, right? Right. But what it became was right. the weirdest inside some producer's friend or whatever is the rock band that were terrible didn't make any sense was it i don't know i don't know i can't explain those guys they weren't even they didn't even they didn't even react to what was happening they just started singing again for no reason and then the the design for the demon wasn't it was like way too slick and weird it didn't have enough dio-ness to it it didn't look um vintagey at all right well i think part of the problem there too was that it was a demon instead of a ghost it just didn't make any sense like most of the ghosts in Ghostbusters, it's either they're either gozer related, which makes right. sense that they look like demons, or it's they're supposedly ghosts of humans, right? I'm right. I mean, Slimer has some aspect of humanity to him. Well, Slimer, yeah, right. Slimer was the was the the the, the hip neon '80s version of a classic ghost in a sheet ghost, right? Like from their logo, right? Yeah. Right? And and you're right. Yeah. The 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 one in the, in the library was very classic ghost. And then you get you slip right into. And that's the thing I loved about watching the original Ghostbusters again now, was that all of the Gozer stuff is straight off of the mm-hmm. side of a van in 1979, right? Absolutely. Like, and that's yeah. what makes it so great. The prism and the pink clouds and all the weird, you know, like all the posturing and stuff. I mean, it's so great. It's heavy metal magazine, right? That's what I love about yeah, it. I liked it then, and I really even more contextually appreciate it now. And uh, you're right. In, yeah. in the new one, there was no rhyme or reason to it. Uh, although I remember I didn't like a lot of the new one, that first viewing, that I appreciated more the second. For example, when Slimer steals Ecto-1 and then comes back around and he's been joyriding with a whole gaggle of his people, that ho- that cracked right. me up now that it didn't crack me the first time. <laughs> Like there was like why was there a, why was there a ghostly carnival guy on stilts for no reason like what? Anyway, That's a very okay. good question. I don't know. All right. Yeah. So, with regards to this unbooting of Ghostbusters, the thing is, if they're going back to the supposed original continuity, does that mean that we're going to have mm-hmm. another one of these when everybody's really old and then they have to bring in new people? Uh, see, that's a good question because they've shown Bill Murray. What do you mean filming? They have like there's been a of him filming yeah oh i didn't know that uh, was he in a suit or something yeah uh he looked sad yeah well that's bill murray <laughs> well that's another thing about uh, the yeah. new ghostbusters he's in that they kick him out the window and you think that there's going to be some there there like he's going to splat or he's going to become a ghost why wasn't he a bill murray ghost after that right and it was right. like it just got dropped yeah, it doesn't make any sense my kids recognized Wait. all the cameos from the original characters, having seen them the night before for two nights in a row. But they didn't understand <laughs> why. They didn't quite get... They thought it was amusing. For some reason, they thought Dan Aykroyd was hilarious. I won't go past Chinatown, or whatever. My kids thought that was hilarious. They don't even understand city maps, but they thought that was funny. But, you know. Kids. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so, 
You were just looking up something. I was trying to see if I could find that set photo. Bill Murray. Bill Murray filming the new movie, but I am unable to track it down right now, so I don't know all of which the kind early, of surprise. All those previous versions of the Ghostbusters 3 script that were leaked over the years had a lot of that transition to the New Blood kind of story to it. And yeah. Then, and then there was some other thing to it that was really wackadoo that I remember was odd. I don't remember what it is anymore, though. That's the quality podcasting that we're offering. But... I think I'd be more interested in that if it was just them as, you know, kind of like the movie Red. Like, how about just really senior center ghost busting? I think that would be interesting. Like, I can't carry the proton pack because my back hurts and whatever. (laughs) Right. Like, there's there's humor in there, right? That the the physicality, the physicality that was necessary for them to do what they were doing, they can't do that anymore. But at the same time, they are absolutely 100% not scared by anything anymore. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And before we leave this topic, yeah, I will say that the, the middle one we saw on, of the of the three was Ghostbusters two, and within minutes of it starting, uh, my wife and I looked at each other and went, "All oh, right, this one sucked. <laughs> it was bad. It's bad when the kids See, don't, I don't like think it's, it. It's not great, but I don't think it sucks. I oh like my it. god, the kids hated it. They hated it. Really. Hated Interesting. It. Hated it. They were really weird. I need to read. Well, it is weird. I mean, it's it's a super odd one. But they were all weirded out by, you know, the the whole, uh, you know, she, she's got a kid, and then he's coming around, and there's like extended sequences of him just playing Gaga with the kid, and then he's picking on the cellist for a while, and then they try to fold in all of this these existential crisis moments like they're over the hill and no one cares about their ghost busting anymore and he's doing schlock uh that is strange shows. that's the way they went with that like yeah. i'm really surprised yeah. that they didn't decide to like keep them popular it's just strange and if they go that same route again it's going to be especially strange for the third ghostbuster movie i told my wife that i felt like the what they were trying to do in ghostbusters 2 felt like the kind of thing you would have done in a third like the, like they would have yeah, a really yeah, totally an over the top popularity or big stakes second act, and then the third act it would be like, well, what happens when you're not popular anymore? There has to be there's something right. meta happening there when they did Ghostbusters two, and I read some stuff after we watched it on Imdba that talked about there were a lot of things bounced around in the script, but they were very much playing up the idea that there had been this much amount of time since the first one, and that there were a lot of expectation about the sequel. And that they were trying to be subversive, but I don't think it worked too well. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's I remember really enjoying it, but I haven't seen it in so really? long that I would have to again. Yeah. So Gourney Weaver randomly uh, takes her top off and gets weird with her baby in a bathtub, which was weird. And then the bathtub tries hmm. to eat them. I'm yeah. <laughs> well, that rem- seems like stuff that. Just, I remember Gourney liking. Weaver. I remember liking what's his name and his painting uh, more than I did. This yeah. time, I still liked his weird accent that he made up, um, and I liked even more <laughs> reading that he made it up on his own and just started doing it on set, and no one could stop him. But because uh, this is always this is the guy I didn't watch Ally McBeal, so to me this is the guy that was in um, Dragon, what's whatever it was in the eighties that I loved, and that's always what he right, would be. Yeah. And so yeah, I mean I think that's amusing, but on rewatch, it's like the the guy in the painting and all that stupid shit was not that entertaining. 
but him bouncing around being an idiot was more entertaining. So there you go. Ghostbusters. All right. Well, I don't know. Something's going to happen and it could be good. It also could also not be good. It could be. Yeah. Isn't it Harold Ramis's son directing? Yes. This time? Yes. So I'm okay with that. I, he's done something I liked. I don't remember what, but <laughs> yeah, something high quality. <laughs> yeah, really. All right. I can't even be first to search it. So, all right, pick, <laughs> pick a number between one and thirty-three. Uh, twelve. What did you think about the Men in Black Three trailer? Oh, it looks excellent. I'm 100% sold on it. Except, is it Men in Black 3? I thought it was... It's Men in Black International. International, yeah. Yeah. Because wasn't there a Men in Black 3 already? I think probably. Or I, I, see, I don't think I saw it, but yeah, maybe. I haven't seen it, but I think that's the one with uh, Thanos playing uh, young... Oh, uh, Tommy Lee Jones. What's his name? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's 3. Yeah. Just on the casting alone, I thought it was going to be exciting to see what they did. And I had a lot of faith in it, especially when we almost had uh, 21 Jump Street and Men in Black being mashed up. <laughs> so we, we we veered off of some really campy stuff. But when yeah. the trailer came out, I was just like, oh, my God, I love what they're doing. I, I just loved it. I love the tone of Te- uh, Tessa Thompson being also, like the, the kind of sassy that she is in that. With the like, you know, mm-hmm. I found you after twenty five years. What does that tell you? And then that whole, that whole like kind of sexy sequence where they're like, they got her standing there while they're preparing her outfit, and she, you see her kind of yeah. getting fired up in her eyes or whatever. It's just like you feel like, how did the world exist before there was a Tessa, uh, Tessa Thompson uh, Men in Black movie? Here yeah, I've loved her ever since Veronica Mars, and I just I'm super excited about what? seeing her in this. She was in Veronica Mars. What? Yeah. No. Yeah, she was. Oh, that was the all white people on that show. Friend. <laughs> she was the no friend. one of her best friends is a black guy. Friend of color. I don't trust it. Yeah, it's it's a WB. A black guy. It's a WB. What's right. the well, W? What? It wasn't WB, was it? I think it was. It may or may not have been, <laughs> and you may or may not be. I don't right. think the WB existed when it was out. Yeah, you probably. But right. yeah, she was. Uh, I don't remember the name of her character in it, but she was. She wasn't a main character in it, but she was in it somewhat prominently in the season that she was in. What do you think was the first uh, sort of prominent film role she had? Was it... Which came first? Ragnarok? Ragnarok came before Westworld, right? Or was it vice versa? Mm, that's I think it question. might have been vice versa. I'm, okay. I'm on her page right now, but I haven't gotten there yet. Uh, Ragnarok is. was 2017... I actually think Creed was where she kind of broke through. Oh, really? Okay. What I found was I didn't I didn't warm to her on Westworld. I thought that her casting was well, not the most recent season, but her appearance in season one didn't. It felt yeah. miscast. Like I thought that character wanted to be something different than she was. She seemed too exotic mm-hmm. for that role. And then Ragnarok, and I fell in love with her. And then seeing her in Westworld again, I couldn't get enough of that character. Then from that point on. Now I I went she back and rewatched her. What's that? I felt like she seemed too nice in the first time in her first appearance in Westworld. Well, they like she's got a very like sweet, nice face. <laughs> yeah, but didn't they say? But wasn't she like trying to? Wasn't she playing playing a game a little bit in that first thing where she was saddling up to him a little bit and then 
was doing it to try to yeah, get information and then and then reveal her true colors, so to speak. I don't know. Yeah, well, I just think it's interesting because her character is like tonally very similar to the one that Carrie Ann Moss plays on Daredevil. That's to true. a certain extent. Yeah, I feel like. Yeah. And she's a very different actress than that type of character, in my opinion. Well, and certainly, so it's... <clears throat> certainly uh, at the end of Westworld season one, you wouldn't expect that she would be the main character at the end of season two. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. That's or sure. all the main characters <laughs> practically rolled into one. Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, so, spoilers for Westworld season two. Okay, so uh, one of the things I noted in my... Uh, by Scalpy Scribbles was that I loved that Tessa Thompson is the narrative center of the trailer and hopefully the movie as well. Being an outsider yeah. coming into the men in black organization, but knows about them like that. It's like the fan that becomes part of the thing that they were a fan of. That's a really interesting. Yeah. Piece. I like that. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Also, she's playing a character who's confident without being like, I'm super cool. Confident. She's more like, more just mm-hmm. like she's, she thinks she can, you know, Whatever. She could do whatever she puts her mind to it. Um, yeah. Also, I thought it was kind of fun that all their weapons were built into the car in all these different unnecessary ways, like take the hubcap off and take a bumper mm-hmm. off yeah, and make like... a thing. And that was kind of a funny thing. Um, there's obviously the hammer nod. Yes. Uh, yeah, Lindsay uh, watched this for the first time today, actually, after we'd watched the Super Bowl ads, because yeah. she hadn't seen it or the, the new one for Far From Home. So uh, we yes. watched those because we were so underwhelmed by the Super Bowl stuff. I was right. like, well, you like these trailers. So I had her watch both of those. And she's like, she's immediately, she's like, oh, look at the little Thor hammer. So. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I remember feeling a little surprised that uh, they were bringing Fergie back <laughs> with the London Bridge song. Like it was actually sounding good. And you're like, oh, yeah. I thought those guys were not allowed to be cool anymore. But I guess we're at that point where we're... <laughs> That we're strip mining the aughts, I guess, for for vintage cool. I guess but so. There you go. And then finally, yeah. um, I actually really like, really like putting Liam Neeson in instead of Tommy Lee Jones in that sort of character type. He seemed like yeah, a I'm really interested good fit. to see how much he's actually in it. Uh, some of his voiceover stuff makes it seem like he's through it a little more. So yeah, but I got the impression that it's like he might be like his partner that dies in the very beginning kind of thing. Oh uh, yeah, but... that could be true. So spoilers. Yeah. Soon, but... This is not random. Cause it's just the next one on the list, but I want to talk about it. I want to talk about the Hellboy trailer <laughs> once we got one. Cause I don't think we've talked about it. Okay. Yet. I think we've we actually not. talked about it. Yeah. It's hard for guys like you and me to have something we have more expectations for than the Hellboy re- reboot. Uh, it's, it, it, the trailer for this came out the day after we did the recording for things we were looking forward to. Oh, right. And, yeah. So it was like this weird timing thing for us. Uh, I was underwhelmed, unfortunately. And there's a couple of things that I have problems with that I think I will be okay with during the actual movie. But we'll see. I don't know. I'm wondering how much... Well, so my problem is it really smelled like one of those things where the trailer is the problem, um, mm-hmm. which is okay because it totally was so yeah. off from what we we heard about constantly and everything from mm-hmm. the music to the way it was edited to the style that they're portraying, it didn't seem to have any semblance in any kind to what they were talking it was going to be. But 
we're talking about. But I agree. On, on the other hand, as I've said before, the problem with that is if if your project if your production is so out of control that the executives in charge of marketing can have a shit trailer put together and send it out and and so if they can't make you know like the thing about like a, a good trailer can make shit look reasonable but a bad trailer mm-hmm. can't really make something great look bad unless there's something you know there's something to blemish it there already i don't know yeah. i'm a little concerned it's hard to imagine that they would put I, this much cachet into the dark and you know dark and and uh and, and gothic uh deeper roots of the project and then let them put out that tone deaf trailer you know, the, th- the thing with it though is that i mean i think they're trying really really hard to appeal to the people that liked the tone of the pearlman hellboy i mean every single one of those beats and jokes would have felt at home in that version that's a it. good point yeah yeah that's a really good i didn't really think about that you're right you know because i haven't seen either of yeah. them in a really long time but I guess you're yeah, right. my wife and I really like those Hellboys. I just, but I did too. I think they're excellent, and I think a lot of people really liked them. And I think they're really super aware of that. And I think that's why they cut this the way they did. Is like humor's always been a part of Hellboy anyway, but especially with the Pearlman ones, there's a lot of that type of like one-liner jokes and angry pointing and that kind of thing. Angry pointing. And, <laughs> <laughs> well, but yeah, but the, the, Hellboy humor is really Hellboy humor is really uh, supposed to be sort of a dark. I'm not impressed with any of this humor. Not yeah, one liners, yeah. and that's something that even the Perlman ones didn't really nail. Right, he's supposed to be perpetually like yeah. agitated. Like the more he gets slapped around, the more he's like, "Look, I'm really getting tired of this. Like, I'm really getting tired yeah, of this kind of thing. Crap. You yeah. made me spill my beer, yeah. kind of stuff." Um. Right, I've been drinking skeletons, yeah. and I'm yeah. not for this. Right, like he's <laughs> yeah, I'm a demon, and I'm I've seen everything. And why are you, I'm ir- I'm become I'm becoming offended that you're putting this much work into dragging me into this. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff that yeah. I associate with that character. But um, one of yeah. the things I noted in my scribbles was that um, more so than in the Perlman ones, like I don't remember it being an issue to me on those, but I was really aware of the fact that he had um stranger things dad legs and not demon hoof legs like hmm. i wanted it to be C- cgi um, that's huh? more of a factor that uh the Earlman one they shot almost the entire movie from his waist up yeah on a lot of it that's a good and point. I think they were really super aware of trying to hide that fact. Yeah. Whereas this, it's kind of like really blatant on it. Yeah. They just, they just took that out yeah. of the character. He's just in boots. But I want, like if I kept, I, I even screen, screen capped a couple of scenes and just stared at him and imagined, I didn't go so far as to nerd out and Photoshop it, but I was imagining him with goat legs and I was like, holy shit, that instantly mm-hmm. makes it better for me. Yeah. I want goat legs and I don't get it. Yeah. Them. I, I mean, I think part of it though is the, like their budget was like fifty-five million for this. It's yeah. crazy low. Yeah, that's true. So I don't think there's any way they could have CG'd the goat legs onto them. Well, but by your yeah. by, by your same argument in the Ron Perlman one, they had a lot of avoidance of his legs, and it could have been the same thing here. 
But when you do see a leg, yeah. it's, a, it's a hoof leg. No, he, he had regular feet. No, but I'm saying it's not as Oops. obvious when you think about the Perlman stuff because they always shot him from the waist up. So they, oh. were, they were doing a lot to minimize scenes where you are paying attention to the fact that you don't have goat feet. In this case, they could CGI the goat feet in, but they don't have a lot of scenes of it when they're creative yeah, about it. Yeah, I guess it's... Well, anyway. All right. This I is more important than... Yeah. <laughs> it's a Tom-specific <laughs> issue, I guess. Okay. Um, I, my... it, I think his face is more of an issue for me than his goat legs. Okay, so. that's my next thing. My sense from the trailer was that his face looked rubbery. And I was really surprised at that. It doesn't seem to have a lot of movement. Yeah. Yes. He looks fantastic in still photos, but as he's moving around and talking... There's a lot of other things we've seen. Now, granted, again, there's the there's the budget, but there's a lot of other stuff we've seen that did a lot with a little and made a, 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 a you know, a otherworldly face look realistic when it talked. And there was something. Yeah. I think it's about the fact that they they doggedly insisted on using practical effects for his face, but mm-hmm. they didn't quite nail the the necessary movements and stuff to make it look look right. I think that's accurate. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that again that's a victim of the trailer kind of thing, and that once you're immersed yeah. in the movie, it won't be as blatant. But I'm concerned. Definitely. Well, it's one of the things you and I both have learned from Face Off is that uh, you know mm-hmm. they talked a lot over those shows. You've seen more than me, but they talk about the pinch points in complexity and the prosthetics that there's so much mm-hmm. movement in the areas around the mouth and the eyes and especially right. the mouth. And that's why so many prosthetics are like giant chin and weird, stupid shit off the cheeks and everything else. And then all of a sudden it's normal mouth right. and normal eyes. And until they got into the world of magic contacts, you would have the most the wackadoo thing going on in the head. And then you'd have normal human eyes, right? Because they just couldn't get too right. close without it being looking like uh, stage makeup smudged into the eye. Uh, the brows and that kind of thing. Well, I think that's going on with the mouth. Like I was thinking, I was watch, I was watching a little thing on Discovery, and I was thinking again about the Doug Jones alien on Discovery, and then I was thinking about him in Shape of Water and him in Hellboy, and how they did such wonderful things about an exotic-looking face, but really looked right when he talked and moved. Well, uh-huh. <laughs> there's a there's a thing there. His lip line and the way they approach the top of the mandibular is different on on each of those iterations of character that Hellboy doesn't have. There's nowhere to hide the the way the prosthetic comes down to the lips in the Hellboy look. And so I, I think that's part of the problem. I think so too. You you yeah. you go straight to CGI Thanos and CGI um, to a much more unsuccessful degree CGI uh, Steppenwolf, right? To get weird facial facial structure. Um, his voice. I know you're always mocking me for being irritated that high voices are high, but just like Captain Marvel, which I've grown to accept, his voice seemed higher than I thought it was going to be, and not just because Perlman was so low, but just in terms of David Harbor. He he has a heavy timber to his voice, but it seemed like his Hellboy voice wasn't as low as I expected it to be. I haven't watched it often enough to to pay that much attention to it, but I feel like. He talks so little in it, plus yeah. the music playing. Right. It just, it, yeah, I don't know. 
I I am un- I have no opinion about it currently. I guess is what I will say. <laughs> I really like David Harbour, and I really liked how much Harbour is in Hellboy in his mannerism, and as he's walking around and stuff. Like you can tell it's him, or at least I think you can. And yeah. I like that. I think that's a good thing. They're playing to the strength of his body language in the same way that they played to Perlman for what he did. Right. Um, I yeah. think entirely the music was the fail. The music and the editing was what killed it because I did an experiment. I waited a week and then I played it on mute and it looked fucking great. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I also liked how big the, the hand of doom is relative to the original. Like it's really big on him. And I thought that was interesting. It, yeah, it really is. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. Um, I, I feel like it doesn't have as much movement as I would like to see, but it, it we'll does see, have that weird. Yeah. More, it's more stony, right? It has a. It has a. Oops. I don't know what that was. <laughs> Did you hear weird? I, that was some auto thing. Some music started playing on the channel. <laughs> For you, maybe was it the sound? Was it the musical equivalent of me saying that the uh, the the hand is a little stone? It's, it's stonier in this one than in the original one, or at least it's a different stone. look of stone. Yeah, it's it's a lot more angular. It doesn't have all yeah. the Del Toro runic stuff yeah. in it, and cracks and things. It doesn't have any of that. It almost looks like metal in a way, right? It does have a little bit of like a like a, a forged steel iron look to it. It's interesting. They're either in the trailer or in some uh, in. Uh, other production material they've shown him filing his horns down which is something I've always loved such a great um, physical nod reminder that he's avoiding his fate (laughs) I think maybe it was even like uh, um, Eli Swearingen was handing him a file or I don't know something like that Um, and oh and then I know one other thing um, that that I was struck by in some production photos that I didn't get from the trailer was that um I thought they made the gun too small, and then, then there was some other stuff that made it look like it was much bigger than it appeared in the trailer. But I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Whether that's good or bad. Uh, and we no, like but it. he doesn't really have a special gun in the comic, does he? Yeah. I think that was an invention for the film. Really? Yeah, let's blur. Yeah, I don't think he ever had his own like specialty gun in the comic. Well, in this one, it looks like. I uh, might be wrong on that. But I'd have to go back and reread all of those omnibus that I returned by accident. Um, but uh, I did like, though, that uh, he I like that imagery of him coming out of the lake with fire with the fire horn or the fire crown and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, I, just change the music, man. Make it serious again. That's all I want. I want it to be mm-hmm. dark and rad and not goofy. Yeah, I'm fine with jokes, but I want like Minola jokes, not del toro perlman jokes i guess i it's agree just gonna, it's just gonna feel like they're trying to ape it too much and i don't think that's the way to do it so we'll see all of neil marshall's stuff previous to this have been rather serious so yeah very hopefully gonna be the, the case here if you were to consider in your mind a number between one and 33 what would it be six dune what do you think about this Dune project with Dune? Denny Villeneuve? No, no interest? I don't think that that is a movie that can ever be filmed the way it should be. <laughs> I don't think it should be a movie. Tell me more. I like where you're going with this, but I want to know more. I just, I feel like it's unfilmable. 
You read the books. Like, there's much going on. I, I've read the first two books. Mm-hmm. I didn't read the 74 others, but I just, I, I feel like the Lynch one, it's Lynch, right? David Lynch did the yeah. first one. Yeah. It's watchable in its own way, but it's not representative of the books. It artificially the compressed everything, right? Sci-fi did. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, unless you're doing like six movies, yeah. there's no way you're going to be able to fill in all the political intrigue and the crazy space madness and everything else. Sure, sure. That is a, and I just, like, I like Denis Villeneuve, oh, yeah. but I don't know that he's the right choice for it really that's yeah. the one thing i thought i had going for i mean see but what has he done what 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 has he filmed he's done blade runner yes sicario yes which i didn't like you didn't, you didn't like sicario <laughs> i i thought it was terrible i haven't uh, seen they, it we, the the main character, uh, what's her name, Emily Blunt, who I uh-huh. love, has nothing to do in it. She's a victim the entire movie. I hate that. And it's terribly written in that respect. Um, granted, he did not write it. Taylor Sheridan did, but um, and it's it's played off as an important film when it's really more of like a dumb action thriller type movie. Oh, interesting. Almost like like. Yeah, it's. I did not care for it at all, honestly. Like I've watched it twice now, and it was a struggle to finish it the second time around. Arrival's my, excellent. Yeah, I, I think, I think it my yeah. Like well, but I think that my um, my confidence comes from arri- the restraint of Arrival, uh, the mm-hmm. vision of Blade Runner. Because again, I'm really a fan of of twenty forty nine in a way that some people aren't, and then thinking about him. Uh, doing some work on what's the other I'm trying to think of what the other one he's been he's been actively developing another project that I was excited about so I have this like generally positive vibe about him at least in terms of his visual style but as we saw I mean it's hard hard to remember today but there was a time when we gave Zack Snyder a lot of um, slack because he had a visual style that was strong even though he couldn't tell a story so right. I, I, I don't know and I think maybe some of the criticism of at least uh, Blade Runner was that, you know, hey, it looked fantastic, but there were questions about the choices that he made. Uh, so, I yeah. But I think, so I think that his vision in terms of making um, widescreen exotic landscape look cool, I think that he could make something visually arresting out of this. The question is, does yeah, he have the narrative? Really interesting. Does he have the narrative but, savvy yeah, to make it like, work? Well, and my other problem isn't it isn't just him. It's the guy that did the screenplay for this. Ah. The dude, uh, what's his name, Roth? Uh-huh. Uh, Eric Roth. Right. So he's written The Horse Whisperer, uh-huh. The Insider, Munich, Forrest Gump. <laughs> I mean, the star, A Star is Born. Right. It's stuff that isn't this at all. Like he's done absolutely nothing genre related that tells me he would be good a good choice for this. Well, a couple of those though were good pieces to show characterization and and uh, plot development. So yeah, I mean, I have often watched Forrest Gump and thought, man, this would be better if this took place on a desert planet. Uh-huh. But mm-hmm. yeah, okay. <laughs> and I liked Insider, but then again, it has the 
the Hans Zimmer and uh, and uh, uh, Nolan. Isn't it Nolan that did that too? I think uh, it was. Michael Mann directed. Michael Mann, right, right. It's all the same to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, my favorite guys like just splooge them together. But my point is, there was this, there's so much embodied uh, sort of confirmation bias for me that it's going to be good because of the people involved. That you know, right? Maybe, yeah. Maybe that wasn't as good as it, I remember it to be. Yeah. Um, well, I think it was a good movie, but I don't think it was because of the screenplay. Right. That, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. The, so. Here's my thing. That's probably gives me the greatest pause. I I think that's valid. But oftentimes, but oftentimes you could be surprised. Like for example, mm, uh, Lord and Miller. There wasn't a lot of evidence that they could do sophisticated characterization and writing, even though they did well in the Lego movie and they had some other stuff in in their pedigree. I saw the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse film, which I think you have not seen. Correct. I have not seen that, correct? I really no. would like you to see it so that we could talk about it. Like, I think it's worth Yeah, I wanted to see it when it was in the theater, but we've just had this, like, we've had actual, like, straight-on pneumonia and bronchial infections for yes, almost a month now. I know. And I know. just... I, I, I understand. I, I forgive you. But the point is, when you do get to see it, I really <laughs> want to talk about it. Because I thought it was almost profound in the choices that they made and... and the subtlety and sophistication of some of the things they tried to do. And not just that they succeeded in making Spider-Ham viable, but the the fact that this thing was written by these guys that got fired from Solo really made me want to see their version <laughs> of Solo. And remember, I'm a Solo apologist, so... <laughs> yeah. Anyway, my yeah, point absolutely. being, sometimes, sometimes really interesting stuff comes from a direction that you weren't expecting it, but I think you're right. There's not a lot of evidence to suggest that this would be the right fit for that screenwriter. I don't know. Um, something you alluded yeah. to about this whole thing about like, are they going to do six movies or else? How are they going to make this work? When I read that they were going to do a new Dune, what I thought immediately was mm-hmm. let's have this as a long running HBO series. That's what I thought it should be. Oh yeah, totally. See, I would be all fired up about that. If they're like, this is what's replacing. Uh, Westworld Game of Thrones, and right? Game of- yeah. That's what it yeah, wants to be. Right? right. So Yeah. Yeah, I would be 100% okay with that. It totally wants to be a long-running, high-budget, weekly periodic or periodic uh, episode-based thing on HBO or something that's in seasons yeah. that are broken by nine months at a time, so you have time to savor it. It could be a Game of Thrones, easily. Yeah. It could be more of yeah. a Game of Thrones than Game of Thrones. Like, super sold on that, honestly. Yeah, I think it would be excellent like that. They have had some uh, casting confirmations for it stellar Skarsgård as baron oh, yeah. yep which and is excellent casting yes if you're casting it based off of what the other movie looked like anyway <laughs> oscar isaacs i as mean duke atreides hmm i'm okay with that javier bardem is uh fuck what's his name can't remember the name um That's yeah and um <laughs> but it seemed right at the time and uh, Zendaya was cast as uh, as um, um, Ch- Ch- what's her name like Chani or Chummy? The only girl. Yeah, that's the one. So get ready for all the ra- the racist screaming because uh-huh. the movie the had all these person. lily white people with brown makeup on. So right. Anyway, <laughs> I'm super into Zendaya right now, so I was totally on board with that. 
Yeah, I'm okay with that. Okay. Yeah, I I think she's excellent. I, I, I don't know, though. I honestly think she fits better in, like, a sardonic, more modern role. So it'll be interesting to see how she plays well, it. But I thought that, too. Interesting. I thought that, too, because I didn't watch her, like, teenage uh, or her early teen uh, Disney stuff. But I was only really familiar with her from Homecoming. But mm-hmm. she's in uh, The Greatest Showman, and it's not a sardonic role it's a it's a, a serious role oh and um she's actually pretty, she's pretty regal have you seen that movie by the way i just said i hadn't oh. <laughs> well no i'd like to it I, it's certainly in my house because i like hugh jackman and musicals in general so i'll watch it eventually but okay well we'll save for that we'll save that until you see it because i want to talk about it too suffice to say we've seen it twice it what? It'll be super up to date by the time this happens. <laughs> we saw it twice and then got the soundtrack going. And my kids, that's the new thing that they just play the soundtrack on repeat at the house and do. Yeah, I've da- heard the soundtrack's like insanely popular. Yeah, and they do dance moves to it all, well, all morning. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. So okay. Do they mm-hmm. do they do circus acts with acrobatic midgets and whatnot? They do that's not. The real question. But it is the greatest show in my household. Actually, oh. some of the best stuff in that movie is Zac Efron. Uh, hmm? it's, it's better than the, the farting camp Disney movie that they watch, then? That's <laughs> yes, much better than that. <laughs> Both the TV show, that's terrible. I'm, I'm very scarred by that, just for the record. I don't blame you. I was thinking after you made that reference last time that that being your first and only exposure to the mediocrity of that show... That must have really been horrifying to you. <laughs> it's it's a blur that's to me. Like the Disney TV I've seen in ages, and that's that's literally all I can see now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, but there's a number of other little things, but I think you know, um, I think two more that we should probably talk about is some DC stuff and some Marvel stuff because target market stuff. Um, I suppose. Uh, one of the items was that uh, they're all kind of sort of blend together to me, but uh, Titans, the TV show that I do not watch, had a no season... interest in that. Yeah, me neither, but they had a season finale in which uh, Nightwing is dealing with the fact that uh, Batman has gotten out of control. So they're basically setting up, at least in the trailer for the finale that I watched, they're basically setting up that he's gone full vigilante and Nightwing is going back to is is in a position to feel like he has to go back and take out his old boss. And I really appreciated using making Batman the foil because we've talked about this before. What I want out of a Batman movie, kind of like what I want out of a Moon Knight movie, is it from is for it to be from the cr- criminals or from other people's perspective, where he's not the protagonist. He's something scary or unhinged. Kind of like the way they've done with Daredevil to, and Punisher both for, to a certain degree. Um, so anyway, mm-hmm. I was appreciative of the idea that someone would attempt to make Batman at least seem to be the foil. I don't have any faith that they'll actually pull it off well, but that's what I liked about it. I I feel like that's totally unnecessary personally, but... What, putting I Batman in every project? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That is precisely my point, yeah. 
I don't know. I just, I'm so sick of them having to use the same four characters in everything, no matter what. I agree. Uh, Birds okay. of... Go ahead. There are no cameos in Aquaman, and I think that's excellent. It makes me I heard, more I read likely so, My sense is that yeah. movie is such unmitigated garbage that uh, I kept me I keep meaning to try to go out and see it, and then I, I like no everyone one... I've talked to, fun. What? And that in and of its everyone I've talked to says it's fun, huh. and honestly, that's like the best praise you can get for a DC movie right now. Correct. <laughs> but I asked like, two people, I asked about, two people, I mean, you go. Uh, no, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I asked two people, um, it, fun is great, but do I need to see it in the theater to enjoy it? And I was told that for all of the spectacular drama of it, you really don't. If you have a good Yeah, TV, that's kind of, that's why I figured I'd just wait. Um, yeah, they released um, a costume teaser for the Birds of Prey film, and it was entirely underwhelming. I like super underwhelming. It. Yeah, it's terrible. You, I mean, there's like little glimpses of people. Batgirl. What? What do you think about that Batgirl costume that they've got floating around that Ruby Rose is playing? How could they fuck that up? I'm so the, the hair. The wig is the worst wig I've ever seen in anything. I like that's just awful. I've seen Mall Santas with better wigs, <laughs> the really greasy, like stained ones, right? <laughs> like, yeah, really like, brown stained. Yeah, ones. yeah, like <laughs> like passed out ones in a in a mall fountain somewhere. Bad Santa, and it looks more like real hair than that. It's just so strange to me. How and I like Ruby Rose a lot, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think really interesting, but I think that the her. Like that outfit is just absolutely awful. It was a real shock to me that they went this bad. And in the early, there's some early like um, production photos or or sketches or something that suggested it was going to be a very comics um, consistent version of the costume, which I thought was a good idea because the comic costume is, mm-hmm. even though I don't need a, a black and red Batman, it was a well designed costume and I thought it would translate well. Um, holy shit. How do they fuck that up? And the worst thing, even worse than the weird Technicolor Halloween costume hair, is that it's pushed to one side. It, it's it go it comes between the bat ears and comes down one side. Like it's like she bought the the most low budget Ariel the Little Mermaid costume she could find, <laughs> and the hair from it. It's just I was I was talking to <laughs> I was talking to actually. Um, one of the cosplayers that we that we know from shows, and I was talking about my mm-hmm. horror about that costume, and I said, I said basically the only positive that can come out of this is that if someone like them, if someone were to show up in a in a in a Ruby Rose Batwoman costume where the fake uh, Halloween hair is glued down the front of the mask, so it's permanently there, like as a really <laughs> obvious thing, I think that would be hilarious. They they didn't yeah. take they didn't take yeah. them, but I thought it would have been great. Uh, <laughs> that's why we don't. Come. Um. Yes, that's right. Uh, there were a couple of things on Wonder Woman two. One of which was that um, supposedly uh, Steve Trevor is brought back to seduce her into doing what the bad guy wants, which is not surprising. But also the implication this is one that that's it's... inexplicably like located in the seventies or something like it's that. The eighties. 
It's the 80s. 80s. And, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of mall footage. But here's the thing. Uh, well, actually, they haven't shown any actual footage. It's just been a photo from the mall. And Steve Trevor shows up again, undead, and he's in, a, like, a tracksuit. Anyway, uh, supposedly Max Lord is the actual bad guy in this one. What? Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. But I do think, um, apparently he's, what I read was he's hunting for artifacts, some sort of magical artifacts or whatever these figured out. Maybe it's more, I don't know, dark sidey bullshit, but whatever it is, hmm. he's looking for bits and he, he has he an archeologist. What's that? Does he have a shaved head? I hope so. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he, he's looking for bits and he's got an archaeologist working for him who gets too close to a bit and it changes her. And that's how Kristen Wiig becomes a cheetah. But, and then she's pissed about uh, it. And cheetah is actually, awful. and then cheetah is actually going after him and Wonder Woman's in the way kind of thing. Mm. You know, I don't know. Interesting. The thing is, Patty I Jenkins, I trust, that. but none of that other stuff sounds good to me. I know. And like Gal Gadot is fantastic. Yeah. But man, that sounds awful. <laughs> but more importantly, Patty Jenkins is fantastic because Gal Gadot was fantastic yeah. in non-fantastic DC films. Wonder Woman no, works because too. of Patty Jenkins. Yeah, yeah. Man, I don't know about that, man. <laughs> I have I have serious doubts about that whole thing. I do too. Um, did you see? So let's switch over to Marvel really quick. Did you see? We talked about the Captain Marvel spots that have come out since the first trailer and how they're giving us more, but not necessarily better. Um, at this point, I really just yeah. want to see the movie and not see any more trailers. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Like all, all the trailers are doing right now is making me concerned about the CG. I feel like they're getting a little bit better. The more CG they have done, <laughs> you know, like the, every trailer they've had more time. So there's a little bit better and a little bit better. Yeah, that's true. You know, I don't know. And they're definitely I'll showing allow that. What's that? You'll allow it. I think they're showing definitely more of her being aggressive and confident and kind of a badass, which in as a, as a civilian or whatever, I think that's important. And I don't know, they're building, they're building the idea that this, that this character is, is uh, powerful and not because of her powers. And I think that's going to be pretty important in that story. Yeah. I still think she's a scroll. I still think she's a scroll, man. I'm holding on to that uh, theory until I'm absolutely proven wrong. Isn't that the point of her, is that she's a scroll? Is that not Captain Marvel's origin story? No, she's a Kree. Oh, oh she's a Kree. I'm yeah, saying I, I think she's that. a I think she's a I'm I'm choosing to believe that she's a brainwashed scroll who doesn't know she's a scroll. And thinks that she is a she thinks that she's a former human, but she's actually a scroll that was deeply planted as a human that the Kree have turned. That's what I'm hoping for. Which is okay. why her memories are so weird. Anyway, if it's not, just remember my idea was better. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. I'll put oh. it in my diary. Alrighty. Dear you... dream diary. <laughs> Dear diary. Had this plan. <laughs> Did you see the first Spider-Man Far From Home trailer? Yes, I told you a few minutes ago that Lindsay and I watched it today. Oh, that's what you were saying. What I heard was like this scrambled <laughs> garble of, of snow slush and internet failure. That's all I heard. Oh, well, that's what I sound like all the time. 
That's what you would have sounded like if you drank yeah, that uh, that horrible stuff that your mom got. Yeah, exactly. The kombucha beer. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah. What did you think about the validation, at least in on the surface, that Mysterio would be presented as a protagonist? It's certainly what it looks like, but I, I wonder how much of that is him trying to make himself look like the hero. That's a good point. I was wondering if it's going to be one of those, uh, if not quite a Two-Face, but like a Harvey Dent situation. But I thought maybe, what if this is a guy that's going to turn? Mm. But uh... See, and I, In my head, it's it's a dude that wants to be popular and has like convinced the Absorbing Men or whoever to be a villain so that he can look like a superhero. But that I like. I'm, yeah. I'm curious to see. I'm a little concerned because the elemental like people Jill are boring. And... What's that? Yeah, yeah. I like Jill and Hall, but yeah, I'm a little concerned about the elemental thing too. I just feel like the elemental thing will be a, you know, if anything, it's going to be one encounter. But like you say, if he's presenting himself like a hero and he's fabricating villains to defeat in a classic third rail design lab way. <laughs> Uh, then I'm totally down with these elementals being conjured, you know, something that he's conjured up and defeating and not really yeah. a, a component of the story once you get into it. But, uh, and how about yeah, that? That's dope... what I'm hoping. They... What's that? Well, I was gonna say, how about that dope stealth suit? But go ahead. Oh yeah. That's interesting. Do you think that's just because he didn't bring his suit with him? I don't know what's going on with this. I, I really, I think that they're, they're, I think they're showing so much. I think they're confusing it on purpose because we don't know what how this is supposed to work after Endgame anyway. Yeah. But there's definitely implications. I think, that... this, is... I think this takes place before in, uh, before any of the Thanos stuff. Uh, I think that there was some pretty good... No, I think they've even said that it's after Endgame. But also there was something in the trailer that made me think that too. Um, really? But I don't know. I do know that they suggest in the trailer that he doesn't bring a suit because she goes, did you pack the suit? And he goes, eh, eh, and he looks at it and then he and he walks away. But we don't know for sure he didn't pack it. He could have also at the last minute brought something. I don't know. But there's a couple of different things yeah. you see him wearing in that trailer and, and none of them are his old suit. So, Right. There's a black hmm. and red version of his costume and then there's the stealth suit. So hmm. I don't know. And then because of there's the furiness situation... <laughs> What's that? <laughs> a European suit. A European suit, right. But the Fury angle means he could have been brought to so My question is, is, had he never met Fury previous to that? Apparently not. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I, I loved the whole thing where Happy was like, a new dress? She's like, oh, how'd you know? And he's like, what's happening? And all that whole thing. We were, the, we were yeah. all there. We saw it. It was great. <laughs> also the vibe of her knowing you know, his identity and being down with it and like the whole thing of him talking at her charity or whatever it is like I, I like the vibe of everything that they're implying is happening there without knowing too much about it could be great yeah I do too I actually really like the idea of Aunt May being supportive of him because he has so many other characters that don't know who he is and hate Spider-Man right. that I think the idea that her and his his cute chubbly friend 
being okay with it and supporting it is i i think it's really good i think that's a good move i agree too it's uh a lot of these projects get flack for deviating from the canon in a way that outrages people like they got mad that superman was killing a guy and then they you know whatever you know mm-hmm. they get really outraged when they subvert something from the comics in a way that seems like they're just doing it to do it but in this case they're changing things right. because i feel like they're they're acknowledging that it doesn't have to be that way to make it a good Spider-Man story. We don't need an Uncle Ben death. We don't need a a suffering Aunt May, a little old Aunt May. We don't need a ravishing supermodel MJ. They can subvert these things. And a lot of what was powerful in the first film was all of the ways they made things more realistic and, um, I don't know, less uh, campy in its affect, I think. So, maybe. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. Uh, the last thing on this actually very long list of Marvel items that I thought I'd say, um, <laughs> we're not, we won't go into great detail because you haven't seen the movie, but I just want to mention that when Spider-Man Into the Spider-Toll won the Golden Globe over all the Disney stuff, I was I thought that's a moment. Like, there's no way that the the entire like 300 person animating animating crew or more of of uh, you know Ralph breaks the internet were sitting there. And could ever contemplate that they would not get the Golden Globe, right? Um, you know, a, yeah. a, a very, very good quality Disney movie got blasted by an upstart from a production company that has been producing dogs for a long time. So that was really surprising. <laughs> yeah, I think that's excellent, though. I'm so excited for that. I know. The fact that it, it's done as well as it has. It's, it's it's good awesome. for everyone. It's good for them, and it's also good for Disney to actually have competition in that way. And 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 I will say, on the basis of seeing this movie, I really can give two shits about all of the Sony attempts at their stuff, like the Venoms and you know the other Silver Sable and whatever the hell else they're trying to do at any given time in the superhero world. But I would see a thousand yeah. animated projects if they were like this one. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. I think it's so good. And I haven't even seen it. Yeah, like, we, all I've seen is trailer. There's some <laughs> stuff. When you actually see, when you actually watch it, um, you know, just unfolding at its normal pace, there's a certain subtlety to things they do that make it that much more realistic. And I think it's very, very, very stylized, but very realistic at the same time. Largely because they filmed, right. largely because they did CGI and then they hand drew over half of it and they did it in a very obvious way as opposed to a cell shade kind of way. So it, uh, yeah, yeah. The mix is very contemporary. Um, there's a, there's more than one reference to graffiti art in this movie and the movie is graffiti art. And that's what I think is so great. Mm. That's so, awesome. I think we may have covered enough random samplings from our mega list of 33 or 47 news items. What do you think? Well, that's the local news right up to this moment. The 6.30 News Roundup has been compiled and edited by the staff of Channel 11 News. Stay tuned now for the weather report. I watched uh, Bosch on Amazon, which, if you're a fan of the books, is a solid show. But if you're not, it's just a generic detective show. (laughs) Uh, I've had all my to-do list forever, but I haven't read the books. I just like the casting and like that it existed. So I was going to, yeah, the cast is excellent. 
honestly my favorite thing about the show I mean, it's it's a really good show it's a solid detective story and the mysteries in it are really good yeah. but the opening credits are really excellent and you know it's got Lance Reddick in it you can't go wrong with him and Titus Welliver they're both yeah. excellent Titus Welliver is what brought me to it but you're right yeah it's um yeah there's something about what how did you get access to it is it on Amazon yeah, it's Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay, right, okay. Um, it seems like we should be, we'll just jump right into a Rumfield recommendation then, since you're already recommending Bosch anyway, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, good call. Do you, <laughs> um, do you have any other uh, Rumfield recommendations at this time? Uh, no, honestly. I, I have literally not watched anything else. I've been listening to music. Um, You've been in deep I, writing mode, so... Yeah, and the last two books I've read haven't been worth mentioning, and I haven't watched anything, so I have nothing. <laughs> All right. Well, you have been, I mean, to be fair, you've had a string, you've had a tough month. You, Since we last talked, you had yeah. some convention yeah. crises, you've been really deeply sick, and then you've been neck deep in production. So it's like, it's not a lot of... Yeah. And you, all your good shit's yeah. in a studio that's off. buried under snow, so... Yeah, really. Well, and like, like my my first prototype for my game is coming tomorrow or the next day. Woo! So I have a lot of looking forward to, but January was awful. <laughs> so, well, lucky for you, I have many recommendations for you, and they are as follows: True Detective season three. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've heard anything about this, and I think. That this I'm of... aware of it. I still haven't seen the second one. Well, you know how people say the second one sucked because it wasn't the first one, but I said it was actually really good. It just wasn't the first one. People are saying season three sucks because it's not the first one. But I say if you divorce the True Detective series from the very specific zeitgeist of McConaughey and, and Harrison and how that all happened and it was so shocking how good it was in that moment... Um, this could be some of the best work of the series. It's so good. Maharshala that, Ali so is minute, absolutely so... insane. What's that? I didn't realize that the third season was out. Oh yeah, it's four, I've heard four episodes about in. it outside. Yeah, it, it, four episodes oh, in. Yeah. Okay. And Maharshala Ali well, is absolutely insane on this on this film. It's so good. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, so I'm actually more excited about it than I was the second season. Yeah, are you going to... Maybe if you get a chance to watch it, we can talk about it next time, because uh, there's a yeah. lot There's a lot yeah, to I'll unpack. Yeah, I'll try and find some time to sit and I feel like if cool. you start watching it, you'll just dive in, and you won't be able to not watch. Because there's not that much in. You're not too far behind, you know? Um, right, right. I finished uh, Clone Wars the TV show, and I still recommend it because I got really used to the animation style and I like the diversity of the storylines when it wasn't just the same main characters like you were saying before about the, the comic stuff. Not the same. Not every episode was just yeah. Anakin and Obi-Wan Kenobi and Mace Windu. Right? Like, there was some other stuff going on. They had a whole... There's some really great characters that were developed in that series, and even then, they're... Their, the legacy of their stories go in through stages, right? Like uh, Asajj Ventress that you saw that I recently drew, who was at one time in the show a, a Dooku 
assassin, non-apprentice, but assassin. Um, she has a whole third act <laughs> in that show later on. And then there are other characters, um, Savage Oppress, who turns out to be, uh, who's, who's basically uh, Darth Maul's brother, has this whole arc that he is in. Darth Maul, the reason everyone was all, you know, worked up about Darth Maul appearing at the end of Solo is that he, his story is in Clone Wars. And there is a lot of there there mm. to him that happens in this cartoon that's more than just what okay. happened to him in Phantom Menace. And so that's an interesting thing. The The thing I like most about the Clone Wars is that they cu- captured what I said earlier. They they talk about these different aspects to the Star Wars universe that I wanted to see. There's whole sections on bounty hunters doing things. There's this whole thing about the rise of the crime uh, network at that period of which Red Sky or whatever it was in Solo was one. Um, but there's a number of these crime syndicates that are developing uh, in the Outer Rim that are shown in Clone Wars that that the uh, that the the cabal of Palpatine's, you know, his his playing both sides thing, they're allowing this to ferment because it 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 basically uh, it weakens the order, right? It's further it further diminishes the um, the Republic, and so really fascinating the way they're able to bring in stuff from other areas of that universe and make it valid. Um, it also has some real dogs in it. <laughs> I have to say space dogs, <laughs> some shitty, some shitty stuff, but uh, also a lot of really good stuff towards the end of the, of that first set of seasons. You know, they, they announced they're going to put um, a final act on it on uh, Disney plus like, like one more, one more season to wrap stuff up. But as they're approaching the end of the six seasons that were originally broadcast, I got really frustrated when there were arcs that were wasted, like just dumb storylines, because I knew that it was running out of time and they didn't know at that time that they were because they, you know, they had a lot uh, more planned and then Disney bought Lucasfilm. And so basically the whole everything was dropped. And so they had a very small window of time to finish up what they were going to do. And so I was really annoyed at uh, at uh, the waste of time in retrospect, but they couldn't know. Um, and then they really, um, they they did a lot to really make the character of Ahsoka Tano, who I really liked in that series, um, much more interesting than just being um, uh, Anakin Skywalker's Padawan. Uh, what happens through at the end of the Clone Wars is very important. And then I know it comes into Rebels. Um, but anyway, so I finished that and then started <laughs> Rebels. And so far, Rebels has been very good. Different animation style, more... Sort of yeah, rendered, I noticed it looked quite a bit different. Rendered realistically, but also this is a testament to the fact that they knew what they were doing once the Disney model started. Within one episode, maybe two episodes, you feel like you know all the characters fairly well, which I think is, that's hard, right? Especially coming yeah. off of the burden of yeah. all of the, because Clone Wars is trading on a lot of characters that were well known, right? But Rebels starts right. and it's almost all entirely unknown right and they and they make you aware enough of of their differences and idiosyncrasies to to feel comfortable with them uh you know within one or two episodes also uh the other thing i was going to mention about clone wars is that it's in the name they spent a lot more time than the movies dealing with clones the clone army the military structure of the clones the individuals attempting to be individual when they're programmed to be cannon fodder and they're struggling with their idea that they want to have individuality, but at the same time they feel obligated to perform their function. And 
especially in the final season of it, there's a lot of that kind of thing about the the yeah. a cascading failure in the genetic program of creating clones and how they are becoming more and more aware hmm. that they're being used and they obviously were. Right um, you really um, tend to relate to and feel for the clones in this cartoon and you never did in the movie at all. It didn't hmm. matter. It didn't matter. They were stormtroopers in the movie. Yeah, but in, no. in the yeah, Clone War no cartoons, reason. yeah, in in this cartoon, they're they're very well organized and trained. There are people that you care about who die. Most of them die. That you've actually followed them for several seasons. I mean, there's it's it's a it's a proper war mm-hmm. story in a lot of ways, and it's kind of surprising that they would put um, that they were successful in doing that. It makes you really wonder how. Such... Um, well, anyway, okay, so that's enough of that. But uh, I also finished the book. So what do you watch that on? Huh? Is it just on Netflix or something? I Is it got, on Netflix. Yeah, I got them all on Netflix. Yeah. And that's how I'm getting okay. through um, cool. Rebels, too, because uh, Disney's Go channel only shows the latest season and not the previous ones. But, mm. but anyway, gotcha. I finished Ream D, which was that Neil Stevenson book on audiobook that I was trying out. And uh, Oh, was, yeah. Yeah. That was great. I'm probably going to talk about it in more detail with Blake next time because he wants to really dive Isn't in. Isn't that deep. like hours long or something like that yeah i think 64 hours and um that's a book that he wanted me to read so much he bought it in hardback for me twice the good news is if you <laughs> want to read a real book i have a hard copy for you <laughs> yeah is and, it worth reading uh, absolutely it's very good and uh and then i also right. went back and read the first neil stevenson book. To his other stuff? what's it is it connected to his other stuff not that i'm aware of like Part of the same sequence? Okay. Nope. No, it seems, it seems like a standalone, um, at least as far as I'm okay. aware. Uh, and uh, but it's 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 very successful. It's very successful in the in the style of almost normal uh, world storytelling. Do you know what I mean? You know how like uh, mm-hmm. William Gibson went from being doing um, you know the origins of cyberpunk stuff to then he had a whole arc where he was writing very 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 near near future stuff where it was almost normal but stylized but normal that's what this is like um there hmm. are aspects of it that are very mundane in a way and then other aspects of it that are that are wild and so anyway there's a lot more to that and then also i went back and and uh listened to the audiobook of the first neil stevenson book that i had ever uh read or attempted to read which was snow crash which remains blake's favorite ah. And I had a very negative memory of it from when I was in high school. And uh, having listened to the audiobook, Neil Stevenson I've ever read. <laughs> that's the only one you've ever read. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I've come to the conclusion that I didn't get very far into it because everything I remember, it's like I make fun of my wife for falling asleep eleven minutes into a movie, and that's you know, mm-hmm. like two thousand one being about monkeys. You know, you're like, oh, this is all. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I, my my memories of Snow Crash was that it was the worst cyberpunk tropes ever, that it's a super rad samurai sword wielding badass car driving pizza delivery guy in a super, I'm over it, everything is lame, super uh, idiocracy world. And um, that's just like the bare bones beginning of framing the world that he's created there. I still think it has flaws, but um, I haven't read the whole thing either. Then <laughs> what's that? 
I, I, it's possible I never finished the book either too then because that's basically all I remember about it as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I read it. I read it in like '94 or something exactly. <laughs> like that. So. Well, all I could say is there's a lot of there there, and I think some is stronger than others. And I think in retro, I think in in placing it in time, it's pretty profound piece of work. Reading it today, there are things that work better than other things, but. Uh, but it's definitely not that. It's definitely not the pizza delivery guy. That's for sure. It's pretty interesting. It's you could see the seeds of so many of the other things he was inspired to write about after Snow Crash or in Snow Crash. Like almost every other thing I've ever read of so his, read there's something about it. Most of his stuff, right? I think so. Yeah, not all. What of What book would you recommend if someone were to read their first Neil Stevenson book? What book would that be? Easily, 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 Cryptonomicon. That's my favorite of his books. I thought that was you were going to suggest, yeah. I, that's the one that's been on my to-read list for the longest, and I have not read it. It's the only one I've done fan art for. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, so Cryptonomicon is the, is what I think of um, him at his best in terms of doing revisionist history writing, because it's, it's the first mm-hmm. one that I can remember reading where he t- covered two time periods at the same time with characters who are related. Um, it's the first one mm-hmm. that is near future in the sense that it looks like our or near past actually, where it looks like it's our world, but it's not quite our world. Um, but it's very deep. But then he went and he took everything that he mm-hmm. did in that, and then he went in and did, and did what they started calling the Quicksilver trilogy, but all of that uh, Age of Enlightenment, or I should say Middle Ages stuff that he was doing. They just went crazy. Mm-hmm. The 800-page books. And I just discovered recently that I didn't even read all of them. I read the first three, and I thought that was it. And he kept going. <laughs> so That's funny. So he, he deep dove. Like, he went wacky. Um, but Cryptonomicon, to me, is his best at um, this framework of storytelling. And this latest one, Reemdy, is a close second. I think. Hmm. I Interesting. Think, I think the ideas in Snow Crash are pretty, pretty great, pretty profound. But... Um, I think it doesn't hold up as well uh, when you read it today. Just because, um, very specifically, uh, he had some really great big picture ideas, but in order to convey them, he ends up going exposition heavy. Do you know what I mean? Like characters at some point just start describing the shit, which I don't like. Because they were, you know, he's basically doing a thesis in this book, and so it's really hard to not do that. But the other thing is, uh, William Gibson, when he was writing his 80s cyberpunk, he did it in such a way that you can read, um, you know, you you can read the, his his first trilogy of books today and they don't feel as dated. They barely feel dated, right? And yet, because of the way he made references, he was very careful not to over overly describe the medium of the technology in a way hmm. that felt feels dated later. In other words, Stevenson makes references to things that are like even at the time like the characters will be described as looking at videotapes now you're writing a cyberpunk future stuff in the 80s you or early 90s or whenever it was he first wrote snow crash you probably shouldn't be using a reference to videotape you already should be aware that that's a temporary standard at best but there's like things like that there's a knack but he's his writing's been like that his whole time he has glommed on to certain anachronisms that are frustratingly temporary and dated. 
but at other times <laughs> he's way out in the fucking outer space. So it's like, I don't know what his deal is with that. Right. But it really takes me out of it <laughs> when I read references to things and go, God, that was a limited view in writing about the future that I feel like if you were going to try to, if you're trying to write a near future story in a familiar setting, you need to, you need to be very careful not to overly limit yourself in technology that you have every evidence is going to be changing. Um, anyway, it's yeah. hard, hard to explain in, without going into a lot more detail, but that's what that is. Uh, <laughs> so I finally cracked and, and started playing Battlefront 2, um, which was the newer version of the Star Wars uh, open world fighter um, sort of. Oh, yeah, I did play a video game now that you say that. I forgot about that. Okay, so you are, you're playing that on PS4? Yes, and uh, I only cracked it and played it one night just because, you know, I only play a game a night a month or whatever. <laughs> but um, I was just really feeling, okay. really really jonesing for some immersive uh, Star Wars stuff, and uh, it was right after Cl- I finished Clone Wars, and I was frustrated that I didn't have any more there there, so I had to try something. So I played it for a little while, and, you know, I really love it atmospherically, I just don't have enough time to play games, so that's that. Yeah, but, I get that. But but I look we, forward to playing um, some more of it. I would love to play that game. It looks really interesting. Um, we actually, I did play a game. I forgot. I uh, I rented from Redbox for five nights. Uh, Fallout seventy six. Oh, that's what that's about. I thought you yeah. bought it. So no, no, I Redbox. And it's, I like it. It's, it suits my play style for Fallout. I understand some of the, the bitchy hate aspect of it, but it, it just feels like a Fallout game to me. So, so can you explain to someone who has never played Fallout and is vaguely aware of the, the sort of whimsical post-apocalyptic imagery, what's Fallout 76 versus regular mm-hmm. Fallout? What's the, and what's the controversy? Uh, well, Fallout 76 is online. It is a strictly online game. You have to be a member of the PlayStation Plus or Xbox Plus or whatever network to play it. Hmm. So that's a little bit of a hassle because every time you go in, there's uh, 24 other players in the world wandering around. But the world is so gigantic, I only ran into people three times in the three or four days that I played the game. Hmm. So it's it barely becomes an issue as far as that's concerned. It, it does allow you to team up and play with other people if you want to, which I think is cool. It's just not my jam. Like if my brother had the game or if you had it and we, by some miracle, happened to be able to play on the same night, yeah. I think it'd be really fun to play with somebody else that you knew. But it's by no means necessary um, you're you're the still biggest playing com- NPCs, though, and stuff, right? Like, there's, there's Well, that's the thing. That's the biggest complaint about that game is that there aren't NPCs. Hmm. So you're there walking are... in an empty world. Well, there's robots. Uh-huh. There's mutants. There's these things called the Scorched, who are, like, people suffering from radiation sickness and it's driven them mad. So they're, like, violent. They're like zombies, but they talk and they can use guns, basically. Sure. But 
all of your missions and like your quests that you go on are based off of stories that you find on pieces of paper laying around the world or computer terminals and that kind of thing. And for me, I like that. Like you sit and read a story and you go somewhere and you find the next part of the story. To me, it's not that different from talking to a person who tells you a story and you go somewhere else and you have somebody else tell you part of the story. Right. But for some people that it, makes the world feel more empty but you know it's the apocalypse so it kind of makes sense that the world feels super empty so i don't know i i like it it's 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 fun it's gorgeous it takes place in west virginia and the world that they created with it like there's like like ticks the size of golden retrievers and i've seen images of that yeah yeah like some of the stuff is genuinely like creepy and unnerving like possums with uh kuatu heads sticking out of their chests and stuff (laughs) and it's just it's it's interesting to me and i think had they promoted it as a expansion to uh fallout 4 i don't think there would have been any of the kickback that it has right now but because they promoted it as the next fallout game people are really upset about it and it's it's another one of those fanboy hate things just like Star Wars and Ghostbusters and everything else that I understand why people are upset. I just don't personally feel the same. Definitely some games, if it's too empty in the world, mm-hmm. um, that can it can either work or definitely not work. When I tried yeah. that, uh, that um, Elite Dangerous, which was supposed to be this amazing space flight sim but also adventure game that I got because I wanted Expanse, right? It looked mm-hmm. amazing, but it was incredibly boring. It's the way people yeah. describe No Man's Sky, which I have but have never opened. Apparently, um, there's been updates to that that have completely changed that game, and it's amazing now. No Man's Sky. Record. No Man's Sky. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I'm, you know, I'm just stockpiling for the day that I have a minute to play. But uh, you mean when both your kids are 23 and they finally move out of the house? Yes, and I and I'm dead. <laughs> but no. Uh, mm-hmm. But the but to your point uh, though. Um, an example from what I hear about Red Dead Redemption 2, um, mm-hmm. while I understand that it's incredibly, maybe overly complex and and uh, numbing about the details about like, you know, you got to shoot an arrow into its head just so, so you don't destroy the body so that you can get the pelt, but then you got to carve the pelt and then you got to go sell the pelt. You know, like it's, there's, it's like those role-playing games where there's way too many stats, you know. <laughs> I've heard that criticism yeah. about it, but what I also have read is that you could spend days playing that game where you've hardly interacted with anybody, but you're engrossed because you're actually, you know, there's wolves chasing you. There's wolves that are hunting you, and, you know, your horse has mange or something. And it's like, you know, you're like, there's even though it's empty of actual people chasing and shooting you, there's a lot going on to to engage you, and it's not just, you know, i got a farm now. So Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, my brother uh, got that for Christmas, and he, that's all he's played. He's like, every other game has gone to the wayside because I'm just so engrossed in Red Dead Redemption 2. Red Dead so. and uh, and uh, this, the current Spider-Man game are two that I looked at and thought, I bet those will be fun one day. <laughs> I'm not even gonna. Just, I'm not even gonna start. I got to stop the cycle of buying the games that I won't play in time. You know, wait, wait till I have time, and maybe it'll be ten bucks then, right? 
Yeah, but, uh, I've gotten to the point now where we're starting to buy all these board games because we're trying to make board games. Right. And so, like, video games have become even less of a thing for us because it's just... And we find that sitting down and playing a board game with somebody is a little more engrossing than oh, totally. playing a game by ourselves. Oh, absolutely. So, absolutely. But, you know, and... Uh, you know, and, you, and you're going through this too as you're in a production cycle mode, but I think there's a lot that I put on hold knowing that I just need to get my post, post-human role-playing game out. I'm in yeah, such a production mode that. with that <laughs> that I cannot... It's really hard for me to, to expend any of my limited chrono dollars on anything but getting that done. So, yeah. I honestly, this is... Video games are one of the many things I have on my list of I'll I'll get to that when I can breathe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about Battlefront 2, though, is that Battlefront 1 was set up, uh, it's that kind of game where it's mostly intended for online play, where you'll have X number of people have entered the room at the same time, and you're set up okay. into squads, and it's squad game, like where you're all running around, capture the flag, or defeat the other team, and you respawn when you die. So it's that kind of game where there's a million people running around, and most of them are players online, and you're very quickly getting killed. There's no story in the original one. You're just going to different okay. scene, different scenes in Star Wars and playing these sort of um, squad battles. I don't know what that type hmm. of game is called. But in Battlefront 2, they also created a solo mission version, which is actually a story. And it's okay. following an, an, an Imperial officer that they created for the game um, who starts the game captured by the Rebels and has to break out. And... I just I'm so thankful that they gave me something that I can do by myself that isn't just running around shooting people because as right. fun as that is, it's much more fun if you were in a group setting. Solo, it's kind of like, well, you know, if you're not that guy that plays that game all the time, it's not that, you know, it it, it wears yeah, thin just, after a while. You're just getting killed over and over again because you haven't played it 74,000 times and yeah. but it's yeah. never been more immersive though because like even I'd done that too and and uh, you know it's uh, it's when it starts you're playing in a um, the the uh, the the solo mission stuff is this rebel era stuff but the the stuff that's involved in the that you can start out with in playing the squad games is uh, the Force Awakens era stuff and so you're playing oh. you're playing various versions of first order stormtroopers or specialty troopers or officers. And uh, anyway, just the environment that you're in, you're on uh, star killer base and hmm. shit's happening. And it just looks really, really good. Everything's really good. <laughs> so that part alone it. makes it fun, but it just kind of gets old after a while. Those kinds of games. <clears throat> That's why I don't play uh, overwatch anymore. Right. I did that for right. a while. And then I was like, well, you know, I'm just not, 12 and shoot people at one yeah time. yeah that's like the um uh what's that the, the borderlands game right like i played it a little bit uh our buddy sherry they play yeah. it all the time and it's fun if you're playing with somebody else but if you're just doing it solo it just it's not the same <laughs> i totally agree and you know that that's these are games that are designed for group online play and mm-hmm. being addicted to that sort of competitiveness. And if you're not in that mode or you're like us, we only have an occasional opportunity to play, then I mean, what's the point? Respawning is yeah. not that fun, right? I think... Yeah, it takes me 
15 minutes to remember which button is crouch and yep. how to not hit it on accident. <laughs> maybe maybe it's Silicon Valley or whenever the next opportunity where you're where we're together here and we have an opportunity to do something other than podcasting and sleeping, uh, we yeah. give it a try together. Because, yeah, I think Battlefront 2 would be a lot more fun um, with a companion. Now, that said, yeah, I a few other run, run field recommendations briefly. Uh, I watched the movie Blockers, hmm. which is really cock blockers, but called it Blockers. Do you know the one I'm talking about? <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, it's got um, Ike... Ike Baronholtz or something, and uh, the guy was on the Mindy Project, and then it's got um, uh, the wrestler that is Ferdinand. What's his name? You know, the guy that's following the Rock's footsteps and coming out as a <laughs> John Cena. John Cena, and and a few other people, and it's about um, oh, and Amy and uh, or Leslie Mann. Leslie Mann is in it, and yeah. so it's three parents who are come come to realize that their daughters are creating a uh losing their virginity plot for prom and so they get all uh you know they get all involved in trying to thwart it so that kind of okay movie. you know it's kind of a you know it's like a it's, it's, it's that a era. movie that doesn't seem to make sense that you watched yeah mm-hmm. no, but, yeah well i said to doris I said, well, this is really too close to home for me it's way early but it's too close yeah. but uh i'll be that dad you know <laughs> but yeah um yeah, you look just like John Cena, yeah. so that makes sense. I really do, fanny pack at <laughs> all. But um, it yeah. was actually surprisingly funny. It was like you described Jumanji. It was more. It was more. It was more laugh out loud funny than we thought it had a right to be, and it was actually really. All funny. right. So we enjoyed hmm. it. Um, uh, What'd you guys watch that on? Uh, we got it. On, we got a Netflix. Yeah. Ah, cool. And, no, no, we might have. Yeah, we got a Netflix on that one, and um, and another one. Also, it was the other comedy, recent comedy that I wanted to see as that one was Game Night. Did you see Game Night? No, I have not. I It looks like something I would like, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's largely it's largely um, because of the cast, right? But uh, mm-hmm. very enjoyable. And you will appreciate Rachel McAdams in a different way when you see that movie. Jason Bateman, oh, yeah. you already know how good he is, and he is what he is. and She's good always, but a different kind of character for her and it's it's fun um yeah it looks really interesting it's got uh somebody else in it i like too but i can't think of uh, danny houston's in it isn't he let's see who's danny houston i think he is the, uh he was a uh, striker in the x-men origins movie <laughs> not that that's a recommendation at all but oh he was uh ludendorff in wonder woman the the bad guy yes yes yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he and what I th- the one that I was most surprised about was Jesse Plemons. Hmm. Do you know who he is? I I'm the name sounds familiar, but I can't place him. Um. He was in. Let me type. Yeah. If you type it in, you'll see who he is immediately. He was in. Um, I think he was in. Oh uh, yeah. Revenant. Yeah. I think he was in Revenant and a few other sort of genre stuff. He's had a very specific look. Anyway, he plays... He's a, very unusual looking, yeah. Yeah. It's like hmm. playing an albino cop in this. <laughs> uh, He's anyway. one of the uh, main characters in the one of the seasons of Fargo, ah. of the TV series Fargo. Well, he very much really should be. Definitely should be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he fit it very So, I really enjoyed it. Um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is on my list. Uh, except my list is long because it's been a month, but 
Spider-Man. Yeah. No we'll talk about it later when you've seen it. Um, uh, my wife and I started the, uh, there's a Seth Rogen, Evan Gold, Goldman, Goldman series called Future Man on Hulu. Have you heard about this? I, I w- that's been on my list for a while, but I have not seen it still. Okay. I about five or six episodes in. It says something that we couldn't stop watching, even though we were not sure if we liked it. And um, I can't decide whether I think it hasn't gone far enough or that it's... I, I don't know what I think about it, but I'm, I am enjoying it. I just, okay. I just can't, I can't decide what it is yet, but I like that it is... It's kind of like when you're trying to describe to someone Last Man on Earth, not the first episodes, mm-hmm. but like the second season. Like, well, it's... It says it's this, but also there's all this, and it's weird, and I can't tell if it's serious or funny or sad. Or Future Man's like that. It goes well beyond okay. its initial premise in a weird way, but I feel like it has promised to be really. Fu- I want it to be weirder. I think is the thing. But okay, I'm but but I'm I'm gonna keep watching it. Nice and Buster it's got Scruggs. A couple. What's that? Yeah, and Buster Buster Scruggs is fun but i watched it like four months ago so i don't remember it that well yeah <laughs> i have i have notes for if we ever watch it again but yeah i <laughs> uh, i do want to revisit it because it's i feel like it's one of those that i will appreciate more after watching it the second time well you when you watched it the first time you said to me go watch it because i really want to talk about it because and i think my sense was it was because you had you had a real mixed feeling about it as a coen brothers project like that it had highs and lows yeah. for you and i did too and i want to compare notes but we'll, we'll we'll do that another time when you can um <clears throat> what about our plan plundering do you have any planning in your plundering uh yeah we're gonna uh Lindsay hasn't seen um that shoot i just forgot the name also uh, the Miami lammy movie that came out previously to the one that's out now uh it's a single word. God, what is that called? Um, boy, this is good podcasting right here. For the listener's benefit, I just want to say there's some weird internet stuff going on. We're talking over each other, and I'm confused half the time because you're delayed to me. <laughs> and and for some reason, every time you talk, the first three seconds or so are really quiet, and then it gets louder again. So Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you said at all. (laughs) What was it? What did you say? Split. We are watching Split because Lindsay hasn't seen it yet, and I haven't seen it since it first came out. I haven't either. Um, I haven't seen it at all. So we're going to watch that. Uh, I need to... I'm actually... My my next plan plundering is rewatching Stranger Things, Hmm. uh, both seasons. So it's all kind of reruns, but... Uh, beyond that, I don't have anything else really locked in, aside from wanting to watch uh, True Detective Season 3 now. <laughs> a very good choice. Uh, I, yeah. For me, I have uh, Punisher Season 2. Which, I, which I still need to see. Yeah, I haven't started it. Um, uh, so, I actually bought Avengers Infinity War digital, and then the very next ah. day, Netflix released it. But that's okay. <laughs> It's mine now. You know, there are have... sites that tell you when things are coming out like that. You it know? just it was a whim. I just I just just one night I just said I want to watch it tonight, so I bought it, started downloading it, and then our internet failed and we had a storm, and so I didn't even <laughs> download. But it's okay because this is how it is, and so uh, I want to watch it again <laughs> because so much of that it was such a 
you know, that first that first viewing had so much uh, um, baggage to it. I want to see it again yeah. with some distance and see how things feel that a second time. Right on. Um, also, uh, um, our friend Khalil had suggested a an audiobook on Audible called Alien Out of the Shadows. Hmm. So this is one of these where it's not just an audio um, it's an, it's not just like an a audio. Yes. It's a, yes, it's a dramatization. So they actually have, um, voice actors and sound effects and whatever else. And you're listening to a radio play of an alien story. So I said, I have a, I, I have an alien one, but I don't think it's that one that I downloaded from audible. Mm, maybe mm, it could be the same what one. Is that I have? Well, do you remember I how they've got a now? Do you remember how like last month, like all through the holidays and last month, one of the aliens Instagrams was posting all this really weird stuff and it seemed like it was a lead up to a project and people got cautiously optimistic that it was a, you know, they were leading up to a new aliens project that wasn't a Ridley Scott project, but but cool. Oh yeah. It turned out it was all about, it was all for a mobile game. What a rip off, man. Uh, Oh yeah. Out of the shadows. Yeah. I have it, but I haven't listened to it yet. So yeah. Narrated. Power, right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to give that a try. Also, uh, there is a movie called Close on mm-hmm. Netflix, I believe. It's uh, Numi Rapace. Numi oh, Rapace. Right on. And it's, uh, it's based on a real story and it's about a bodyguard. Uh, and uh, so I want to see that. Uh, <laughs> and related to that, in fact, and I didn't. Um, um, I didn't write it, but I'm going to write it now. I forgot. I have another thing. I mean, I have so many things on my list, right? But another one I wanted to catch before I forget it is the, uh, there's a, a, uh, there's a, there's a show on Netflix with the guy that was, um, the, the most tragic of the Stark brothers to be killed in Game of Thrones. So this is really great podcasting here. The, the guy, <laughs> The guy that was the in the thing with the other guy, the oldest brother, is yeah. that who you're he talking was, about? Um, yeah, he was um, Rob Stark. Yeah, um, God, what is his name? Yeah, I, um, I've written it many times. I can't think of it now. But anyway, and he was in an episode <laughs> of Androids Dream as well. So, the, <laughs> what's his name? I don't remember. <laughs> Rob Stark. So Rob Stark. <laughs> Richard Madden. Richard is his Madden. Name. Okay, so the deal is Richard Madden is playing a uh, Secret Service agent or equivalent, and he's forced to protect a politician who he is violently opposed to in ideology. In other words, it's like if a progressive guy was forced to be a Secret Service agent for trump or something like that right it's that is the initial initial premise to the story but then it gets more complicated okay what is interesting about this is that when you shave his beard he looks so different that some (laughs) people don't believe he's the same guy and i had an argument with a co-worker who absolutely would not believe me i said it's the same it's rob stark and she's a major game of thrones fan too it's like it's rob stark no it's not possible his jawline's different in this and this i said it's rob stark how bet, funny. Big bet. I, I won like a year's supply of pizza that I'll never collect on because of that. But <laughs> Anyway, so... That, that, that TV show is called Bodyguard, by the way. I know. I wrote it down. It says Bodyguard. 
So oh, okay, I didn't. Yeah, I think and, you and, said it. Yeah. yeah, and then the last thing, the last thing is uh, they. I think they may have started releasing episodes of Deadly Class, which is the anti X Men oh. story I wanted to yeah. see. So we'll see hmm. how that looks. I'm vaguely intrigued. It's I like I still haven't finished Runaways. I still haven't seen the second season of Legion. I haven't oh, did seen you the second season they, of Legion or Runaways, or the uh, third season of Preacher. The third season will be the final season of Legion. I, I don't have a problem with them ending something if they do it the right way. Yeah, I agree. Ending it I with think, design. Well, and Noel Howley or whatever his name is said that he really didn't have any plans. For anything past the third season anyway so all right good okay stop yeah yeah so my yeah. problem and i was i was bitching about this last time but i get really frustrated this is exactly what i was whining about with streaming when it came to prominence 10 years ago whatever and i said as a collector i was like outraged i said the promise of streaming was that everything you ever want's at your fingertips but the reality is they're not going to give you what you want when you want it and it, yeah once again it's true i go to see I, I sat down and I wanted to watch the new I'm making hand gestures. I sat down to watch the the latest season of Preacher and AMC has mm-hmm. taken it off. They don't have it on their service. And you can't uh, there's get nowhere it anyway. to find it either without yeah. paying for it. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to buy it and, and that pisses me off. And then uh uh same thing with uh there's some reason why I think FX there was some problem with accessing Legion season two as well. But I have to mm. I'll have to go and look at that again. But anyway, it, it's not fair, man. I just want to see the good stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> just let us. We we pay for how many friggin' streaming services right now? How is everything 80. not on one of them? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I mean, between the two of us, we have basically every channel, and yet we still can't watch half the stuff on those channels. You are exclusive to them. I know. It makes no sense. Well, and that's the thing that drives me nuts is if it's if it's a pay to play channel have all the stuff on the channel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and and also, me. Runaways. You mentioned Runaways before. That's also my plan plundering list, because I haven't started Season 2. And uh, I didn't even finish the first one. I'd oh, like okay. to, though. I think Season 2 started. At least I saw some ads for it. I don't know. I have to check to see if it started. But if it has, I want to watch it. I've actually just yeah. gotten back into the comics with, uh, with uh, the current um, creative uh, crew, and I have to say... I think that it's the best runaway stuff since the original arc. So I'm oh, really, really enjoying it. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I'm so, okay with that. Yeah. Um, you can get it on that Marvel Unlimited subscription that uh, you may or may not be sharing with me. Oh, well, I'll have to check that out. Cool. Okay, man. Well, listen, it's been uh, realer than real, even though we're using 80s era internet for our discussion. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> we are literally podcasting during a snow crash <laughs> but uh yeah <laughs> but it's been delightful s- s- snow crash casting burp, burp, burp. Yep. <laughs> so uh i hope you have a very good evening i hope you find a way to dig out your your liquor or something before the next time we talk but... it seems important doesn't it i'm so into the fact you're gonna get your play copies tomorrow yeah, so well, good. I should get them tomorrow. It may not be until the next day, but I'm really excited about it. We're hoping to have that Kickstarter launch in April, and we'll see. But I'm excited.
on that note, dude, have a great evening. <laughs> uh, and uh, we'll, we'll talk soon, man. I don't think we impress those animals at all. And in case you've been wondering why I've been sitting on this, now you know. So wonder your voice didn't go up a couple of dollars. <laughs> <laughs>